0: So I start episode 188 with a question, Hot Shots Guy. I'm ready. How many years? Okay. How many years is it going to take until I stop falling for the guy on second to start extra innings and not yes. look up at my TV, <laughs> see a guy on second and go, wait a second, wait a second. How, how, did, did I miss a hit? What did I do? And I, I fall for it every single every time. time. I forget that rule every single time and every single time the Mariners go to extra innings and I see a guy on second <laughs> I'm convinced that I've missed it or I yeah. looked away or I looked at my phone how did I miss the guy how did he get to second
1: double you know I can't pay attention to anything so I've literally had to rewind my DVR <laughs> just assuming I missed a hit like I how did fought. he get on second hey by the way wasn't he up in the last inning yeah <laughs> how did he get up against I him? don't know <laughs> I don't
0: know. I'm, I'm not used to the rule. Yeah. And it's years old already. And I still have not gotten. And then on top of it, don't get me started on my old-fashioned. Can we please bump the guy over to third? Yeah, He's at second with nobody else. Now, I know, I know that it's old-fashioned, A. I get it. Yeah, And the new metrics guys would say, no, 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 no. I know that. B, I also know that it's different if you're the home team or if you're the visiting team. If you're the visiting team you might need more than one run. So maybe you don't want to play for one run in the top of the inning. I see. But if you're the home team yeah. and they haven't scored in the top half of the inning and you need one to win, one run, yeah. and you start with a guy on second and you've got Abraham Toro, I'm just using him as an example. Okay. You've got somebody like Abraham Toro up and you need one run to win because they haven't scored in the top half. Yeah. And you start with a guy on second and nobody out. Bump the
1: guy over to third, please. But isn't a base hit, isn't he going to score anyway, whether he's on second or third? What? If you butt him over to third, yeah. he scores on a
0: sack fly. He scores on a hard chopper. Yeah. He, they bring the infield in. It's an easier base hit. Everything, all the numbers go up. All he's got to do is be at third with one out.
1: What do the Sabermetrics guys say then?
0: I don't They must say not to do it because nobody does it anymore. And yeah. I don't, I just don't get it. And, and please, please, before you yell at your podcast or your radios, yeah. well... Some guys are better at bunting that. Please (laughs) stop it. (laughs) That's and I know that that I know that that's a common belief and I get it. But for for, you want to talk about pet Mitch Levy, pet peeves hearing for the last 45 years as a baseball fan, 45 years, that certain guys you can call upon to sacrifice and certain guys you can't. I have not understood that for 45 (laughs) years, and I will tell you why. Every one of these guys learned to bunt in third grade. That's right. I don't care whether they're power hitters and they're never caught. Are you telling me that a 50-home run hitter in Major League Baseball, one of the greatest players in the world, can't square, let the ball come to the bat, and just get the bat on the ball? He doesn't have to run to first. No. He just got to square and let the ball – you're telling me – he doesn't have the hand-eye coordination at 28 years old
1: because he hits home runs. He can't bunt. No, that's too confusing. He'll stand on his hands or he'll turn around backwards. He can't get it right. Please. Yeah.
0: Please don't tell me that certain <laughs> – go- well, they're not called upon to bunt for very- you. <laughs> Shut the f- – yeah. I just want him to square and put the bat on the b- – they can hit 50 home runs. That means they have some level of hand-eye coordination. Some They level, can do yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, They've been doing it for 20 years. Right. Come on. What
1: do they do in the National League? Don't,
0: don't they, when they go in for batting practice, don't the first thing everybody does, I thought, at least
1: in the old days they did, what are the first thing you do on the first few pitches? Yeah, of take bat- a few bunts. Yeah. yeah. Come on. But in the National League, they do it all the time, right? The uh, the pitchers do it over in the National League. Well, the pitchers have been called to bunt forever right. in, so, the, in the National League. Right? Those guys are hardly home run masters. Oh. They, can, they can figure it out.
0: Oh, but you can't call on <laughs> Nelson Cruz to uh, right. bunt because oh, he doesn't. He, he hasn't done that in a long
2: <laughs> Right,
1: Right. <laughs> Piper and I watched a lot of the Little League Softball World Series last year. Yeah. They're 10, 11, 12. If there's a runner on second, yes. They are bunting without question, and they all can do it just fine. They're 10, 11, 12. Hot years shot. Old. Hot shot. My son <laughs> yeah. is a 10th grade baseball player in high school. Yeah. And he goes to this facility
0: okay. called Top Velocity. I'll even give him a plug. Okay. You ever heard of it? I've heard of it. It's new. Okay. Top Velocity, it's over there. Kind of underneath ninety and four hundred four, four hundred uh, five, four hundred five. Kind of over there in like Factoria area. Sure, okay, over there, he goes there and he puts the machine on, and then it's piping. I mean, okay. he, he puts the machine on fast or whatever. He throws they throw curveballs and sliders. I mean, these wow. things, are, right? And old man Levy, every once in a while, <laughs> yeah. will step in there. Yeah, oh boy, okay, I, to I, see if I can, I can at fifty five years old, having not played a baseball game in. Forty-three years. <laughs> right? I can turn. You can crank that thing up. Yeah. I can get the bat on the ball. Yeah. You still and, can. And huh? I can. I can put the bat on the ball. No. It might not go to the third baseman. Enough to be able to get the guy to third.
1: Yeah, but you're not a home run specialist who's, you know, not able to <laughs> But you
0: know, I haven't been called upon to do
1: it in a long time. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you I ever, hate that. Do you ever give her swing away in there? Do you ever take cuts in the cage? Do you feel like you yeah, can still do it? I, I could
0: hurt myself there. Is that really?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's where
0: I draw the line. Well, I take a couple cuts, but it's do? not it's not very not very pretty.
1: There was a, a last year there was a after the season, there was a parent home run contest. Oh really? But and softball, soft, hit, soft softballs, softball. Yeah, yeah. well, it's I, That I could probably do. 200 foot fence. Yeah. Eh, it's not that far. No. But I wanted to make sure I could still do it because <laughs> I'm a competitive <laughs> asshole. And all the shit that I talked to Piper about how to play the game, let's see, big boy. Let's see if he can hit one out. So thank God I did get a couple out. But I like to know that I can still sort of swing a bat at my age. It, it made me, it helped me sleep that night. Well, just to be
0: clear <laughs> before we start the
1: show. Yes. Just
0: to be clear. I am not asking for power hitters to bunt or sacrifice during the course of a game. Yeah, I get why you don't ask him to do it in the fourth or the sixth or the seventh inning. Yeah. I'm talking about merely when you are in the bottom of an extra inning and you need one run to score and there's a guy on second. Mm-hmm. Okay, At that point, I believe that every man on your roster should be able to square Get the bat on the ball and move the guy from second to third. But doesn't I'm it, not asking Nelson Cruz. I keep bringing up Nelson. Yeah, Cruz. Yeah. I'm not asking fifty home run hitters in the sixth or the seventh or the third or the fourth to just in a in a in a situation like that. But That's doesn't all. it matter
1: who's up? Like if Ty France is up, who's been red hot lately? Do you want him to bunt the guy? I mean, it kind of matters on the personnel <sighs> a little bit, right?
0: Well, the, the the mathematician in me says, as red hot as he is, okay, he's hitting three fifty. Yeah. Right. Yep. There's a 35 percent chance then he's going to get a hit. Yeah, which means there's a 65 percent chance he's not going to get a hit.
1: Okay, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think I want Ty for as hot as he is. I think I want to. I don't want Ty France to hit to to bunt in the sixth or seventh. I got because you because I yeah. want to play for a big inning. Yeah, but I need one run hot shot. I need one run. Remember the do you remember the Miller Lite
1: commercial? All we need is one pin, Rodney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben Davidson. <laughs> of course, yeah. We need one pin. Yeah, get him the third. Yeah. Hey, I'm with you. I'd like to see it well, too. But what do we know? The Saber Mariners people win are, Mariners. Yeah. They didn't do it, and they won. <laughs> they didn't see? do it, and they so won. What right? do I know?
0: You <laughs> After all that, g- you get what you pay for on Mitch Unfiltered, <laughs> episode <right>. 188. <laughs> Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. Please, please, please rate and review us on Apple. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it takes ten seconds to give us five stars and write what you think about the uh, about the show because it helps. You can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for $5 a month and have access to all the shows, all the bonus shows. We do a weekly show with Danny O'Neill. We do a weekly show with SlickHawk. Sometimes Hotshot does music shows. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. If you'd like to be a patron but you don't, you can't spend the $5 a month it costs to do it, just write me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and we'll figure something out. Because I don't want anybody to miss patron shows because they can't afford a $5 a month payment. Okay. I like it.
1: Right. excuse me i'll have you know that last night or as we record this on saturday night yes. I, I have an annoying high school friend who loves to introduce me as hot shot to people a high school a guy that you went to high school yes with. he yeah. loves it yes and it's always awesome when they've never heard of me or you or the teammate they, they don't know hot you know no. it's, it's so annoying when no. he does it yeah hey hot shot. it happened to be that i met somebody new on saturday he goes oh oh uh you're on the, the, sh- the podcast with mitch I'm a patron. Oh. He was a patron, Craig. What's his first name? Patron Craig. Craig. Nice to meet Craig. We yes. love Craig. It doesn't usually work out that well when my friend does that to <laughs> me. It's so annoying. <laughs> They're looking at me like, "What? Why do you Ooh, go by that? Yeah, That's a dumb yeah, name." Yeah. But, but anyway, it worked out finally. Patron Craig. Very so. good, Patron Craig. If you're listening, does he listen to all the show? Maybe not. We're gonna find out, aren't
0: we, Patron Craig? <laughs> yes. Well, I hope Patron Craig and everybody else had a chance to hear my chat with Mary Ruland last week. I know I did lost her son, yep. young 25-year-old football player, played for the Jets, tight end, I think 25 or 26, yeah. brain aneurysm, lost the son, heart transplant. The heart ends up in the chest of Hall of Fame baseball great Rod Carew. Right. If you haven't heard that interview and if you haven't listened to episode, what was it, 187, and you don't have a lot of time and you only have 20 minutes,
1: yeah. what do you think of that interview? It, it was so unlikely and unbelievable that i think if you pitched that as a movie you'd get laughed out of the writer's room
0: why because he, well, he met meets,
1: he had met rod carew as a kid i mean come on he yeah. met him as a kid he was all excited remember yeah. his mom said he, he wouldn't stop talking about yes. it on the way like, i met yes. a pro athlete that yes. you know yes and then rod carew ends up getting his heart i mean it's it's unreal that story it was it had me a little verklempt
0: well the whole part of where rod carew and her now have a you're not supposed to know where your son's heart went. I, I don't think. I don't think that that's normal. Well, I think that everybody knows where you. Well, maybe you know better.
1: I don't. But I, I always thought it was up to the recipient.
0: There, well, if, in this case, Rod Carew was embraced her. Yeah. And so now she goes to visit Rod Carew every once in a while, just so she can hear her son's heart. And, and I,
1: if that doesn't get you. Yeah. What, I'm putting her putting her, her head on his you, chest. If you, if, you, if you don't yeah. if that
0: doesn't move you, please go to the doctor, get your pulse checked immediately because
1: if that doesn't move you, uh, that's tough. Did you know that all hearts are like fingerprints that they all have Should their have own She said that. Yeah. That's no. unreal. No. I had I no, no clue that they all have their own distinct no. sound and no. beat. Amazing. Also another previous guest update. I
0: got an update on a guest. Oh, okay. Do you remember a few shows ago we had? I think it was episode 186 we had Samantha Recker on yes. the show. She was a nurse in the Philadelphia area who was training to run in the Boston Marathon. She decided that she was going to run in scrubs, nursing scrubs, yep. to call attention to the troubles and struggles that her that her colleagues, nurses around the country are having after that horrific couple of years with with yeah. uh with COVID.
1: I just read a stat that one in 5 nurses have left the business left the industry after a lot all of a lot
0: of mental a yeah. lot of mental baggage a right. lot of scars yep and she she is around a lot of nurses who need help mm-hmm. who need counseling who need therapy i mean you've heard the stories that in, with covid very often family members were left to die and they were by themselves they couldn't have family members be with them at their bedside when they were yep. dying so it was up to who to like put the phone up yep It was up to the nurses. Yeah,
1: my sister did it with iPads and phones. I mean,
0: how do you live with that? I mean, how do you go forward from that? It's brutal. So she was calling attention to the needs of nurses around the country. So she decided to run the Boston Marathon in scrubs. Yeah. And her goal was, this was the the funny part of the story. (laughs) She told me on 186 or whatever it was, 187, that I want to break the all-time Boston Marathon record for time- of a nurse in Scrubs. I was like, what? Uh,
1: who knew that was even a, a record to be broken? <laughs> I would have thought you would have been the first person to ever run in Scrubs. Who's yeah. running in Scrubs? Right. What other costumes are there records of? She blew away the record. Really? The record was
0: three minutes, and uh, three hours and eight minutes. Okay. She ran in two hours, 48 minutes and Woo. two seconds. For her. The all-time record. And just to give you a sense of how good that is. Yeah. The fastest woman in the race, the woman that won it, yeah.
1: 221, she ran 248. Wow. So she can, she she does this. Yeah, that's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah.
0: So I wanted to update you on nice. our guest, Samantha. Good for her. Uh, real quickly, Stephen Michael wants to complain about the show. He does an email at MitchUnfilter.com. Mitch he tweets for all of us to hear. Oh, boy. Hate to complain, but the patron shows are getting shorter and shorter. I like to listen on my workout in the pool, and I need at least 40 minutes or I get dead air. Please. In the pool? Pool. Okay. So the the complaints keep rolling in that the Monday shows are too long. Right,
1: yeah. The patron shows are too short. Yeah. This porridge is too hot. Yeah. This porridge <laughs> is too cold. Yeah, but it used to be you're giving too much content. People couldn't keep up. That was the complaint I heard for a long <laughs> it's, time. It's still the complaint. It, okay, except for with him. Yes. Right, so, okay. Yeah. Who works out in a pool, by the way? I don't have a lot of questions about the pool. Well, you go swimming and you put the things in your ear. Oh, there's waterproof buds? Are you kidding? It's 2022. (laughs) Okay, fine. Yes. I listen to Barry Manilow as I swim. No, that gets you fired up. Yeah, you'll break records listening to Barry (laughs) Manilow.
0: I know. Guests on this episode 188. All right. I'm assuming you know about this story. Guest number one, because you have a 12-year-old daughter?
1: I do. Okay. Well, 13 now. She just turned 13? February, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere between 12 and 14 you,
0: you You have to know the story of Mississippi girl softball umpire Christy Moore. Yay or nay?
1: Is it kind Am of right? ugly? Yes. Yeah, I took a shot. Yes. Yeah, I know the story. See the picture? I did. I saw two pictures.
0: Christy Moore, a uh, a girl softball umpire, yep. went to umpire game last Saturday. There was a bang-bang play at second base. She called the, the runner safe. One of the mothers did not like it, yeah. started yelling obscenities. And then after the game, when Christy Moore stepped out of this 12-year-old softball diamond, she got assaulted. Yep. A punch a punch to the face, and the woman fled. And then she posted a picture of herself with a, a, a terrible-looking eye yeah. and said, what are we doing here? This right. is why we have no umpire. This is why nobody right. wants to be an umpire. Yeah. And so it, it really struck me here. So we reached out and she is guest. She's going to tell Love the whole it. story. Christy Moore is going to tell the whole story. And not only are we going to have Christy Moore as guest number one, but guest number 1A at the same time yeah. or just after is the Mississippi state representative who is pushing a bill to make assaulting a sports official a felony. I like it. That's great. I think there are three or four states that have already done this. Mississippi's trying to become, I think, the fifth a special bill that says hey wow. you lay your hands on a sports official yeah whether it's grade school middle school high school college you do that in the state of mississippi right it's no misdemeanor it's a felony love it that's a it's great a idea felony. you yeah. go to jail this woman went to the police station and was released 30 minutes later with a 400 fine if this bill goes through it's a felony she goes to jail it's like a $15,000 fine and if the if the punch and the assault is great enough they go to jail for a long long time I'm with it it's a felony and he thinks this representative thinks we get this through people will think twice yeah. about throwing a punch at at an umpire who's making 40 bucks that's right at a 12 year old girl softball i mean you you experienced that we all have gone to
1: oh yeah literally we see
0: the harassment of umpires all the time piper's
1: last little league game the umpire was a seventh grade boy who she's friends with seventh grade boy behind the plate no umps in the field no nothing but both teams like took care of this kid like no one's gonna say (laughs) shit to him like it's his call it's his game if you don't like the call. You're gonna have to live with it because he's in seventh grade and his mom's has to sit right by the back backstop now because one game he did get some crap from people. But... Yeah, well,
0: my, my kids have umped, umped
1: a little bit here yeah. and there when they weren't playing. Absolutely, I mean that you have to go to kids because adults won't do it now because they're sick of yeah. getting crap. They're like what? Do, yeah, who why needs am I it? do? Why do I? Why am I doing this? Right? right? The the kids aren't jaded yet. They still so now, like love the game. So by the way,
0: now. Half of the games that Brett plays and half of his JV baseball games, high school baseball games, yeah. there's one umpire behind the plate. And he's making the calls in the field too because they, they can't even get two umpires out there. Her, and some of the games yeah. have to be delayed or like postponed because th- they don't have
1: umpires. Yes, yeah. yeah, her last game, they're they supposed to be two, but the kid in the field got pulled out to go to another game because they yeah. couldn't get one. Like no, I don't. Under, I understand why people don't want to ump. You're ump. ruining it, parents. They don't want to ump. They don't want to. I mean, especially for like I'm on this fast pitch softball page for whatever. And, Every day, there's hey, we need umpires for this tournament and one at you. This tournament, walla walla. you know, they can't they can't find umps. They can't can't pay them problem. enough. It's it a is problem. a problem, and parents are ruining it.
0: So you'll hear from Christy Moore on about her not only her experience but her experiences over the years. She's also like an umpire coordinator, so she's trying also in the office to try to get umpires, and she's having trouble yeah. getting young people to sign up to be umpires because of situations like that happened to her
1: you know we had that ugliness in our area with the the basketball with the big guy that came out of the stands yes
0: yes well the former the former former husky right right well for a second yes i mean yeah
1: that if i've if i've never seen if i've ever seen a felony that looked like a felony to me attacking that 70 year old man like that i wish it were guest segment number two bob
0: harrig he was a longtime espn golf writer i know got golf turned some people off He's the author of a new book and I'm hopeful that this conversation kind of isn't about golf. It's not really about golf. It's about golfers. It's called Tiger and Phil golf's most fascinating rivalry. Mm. And I think it will appeal to those of you who don't want to listen to golf talk. Yeah. It's more about these two guys. These are, these are two of the most popular polarizing controversial figures in all of sports in the last like 30 years. I mean, How many names out there, baseball, basketball, football, are bigger than Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson? Yeah, not many. And the relationship between the two is complex. It's interesting. It's funny at times. It's good. Good. It's good. So Bob Herrig is guest number two. And then last week was Jackie Robinson Day. It was. That we celebrate every year. A new book is out called The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson by Kostya Kennedy. He's an author who's done a bunch of sports books. He's going to join us as guest number
1: three. Great. I, I didn't care for the movie 24 about his 40, life. 42. I'd oh, be 42. Did you see it? Of course. Of course. Did you think it was good? I thought it was yes. awful. With Harrison Ford? I thought it was so bad. So Harrison mean, Ford was in 42? Wasn't he in, Wasn't Harrison Ford like the old racist guy? Yeah, you might have, I don't remember. I don't it's know. It's I just so thought, long. I was so 40. excited. I was like, what? Well, I mean, how can you screw this story up? And I just thought it was really bad. Yeah. No? It just wasn't great. I don't know. Maybe the book, maybe this book is what I I need just to decided read.
0: going in, I was going to love
1: it. You're just in the bag for it regardless. Oh, Jackie yeah. Robinson. Yeah. Only a communist wouldn't like that movie. <laughs> Fine. Fair enough. <laughs>
0: Before we officially begin episode 188, a couple of words about our partners, our sponsors. When National Powerhouse Cross Country Mortgage wanted a new Kirkland, Washington office, They turn to Jordan Flowers and his Kirkland team, of course. Easy choice. No one comes up with more creative, cost-saving ways for you and your mortgage than Jordan's Group. Save hundreds every month. Seven minutes on the phone is all you need. 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers, Working together to bring retirement, planning, taxes, and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, Spokane, Milk Creek, and now opened in White Center, 9809 16th Avenue Southwest, Seattle, Washington, pizza, salads, and the best beer selection anywhere, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler. I think the number one place to celebrate special occasions in the Northwest. Mother's Day is just about here. Make your reservations now for either Mother's Day or the Saturday or Friday just before. It's the busiest Sunday of the year at Daniel's Broiler World Class Steakhouses. And Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys, the March Madness, the Masters Pool, the upcoming PGA Championship. Birch won 500 bucks. Begin your search for fireplace and garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com. Okay, this is episode 188, and it begins right now.
3: Unfiltered.
0: It just looks like no matter what their offense is, that if that pitching staff stays healthy somehow, some way, that that's going to be good enough to just be in a race, if not better than in a race, the entire way.
4: Unfiltered.
0: Even guys like me who are petty and like to bash Russell Wilson, I can see why if I were in his shoes that I might have wanted to do the same thing. With Junior it was, it was like I just don't want to play here anymore. I want to go home. That's it.
5: Mitch is unfiltered. So episode
0: 188 is now officially underway.
1: I was noticing that you, you look great. You got a new haircut. You look rested Today, after, I got your, a, yeah, after yeah. your big Coachella weekend down in California. Were you down at the Coachella music? No, I don't event? even know what that is. I mean, you must have gone ape shit when Harry Styles brought out Lizzo. I mean, forget it, right? It was just... I know who Harry Styles is, by the way. <laughs> just the thought of I don't know Coachella. who Lizzo is. Oh,
0: really? Harry Styles is the young guy yeah. that all the girls love that has the long hair, singer. Was he the front man of a of a group, he and now was. he's on his own? Yeah, he's on his own. Yeah, yes. he, he hosted
1: Saturday Night Live, right? As did Lizzo. This past week. So I don't know. I know. I don't know who Lizzo is. Oh, anyway, just the thought of you at Coachella just makes me laugh. This enormous. Why does that make you laugh? Like Huge music festival. You would be in. Well, uh, it'd be a living what, what, hell what, for you. Why? I love <laughs> I good know. music. You do. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> what's the What's the problem? It just makes me laugh. The do thought of you. Do you want me you. to go? Don't dare me to go. I'll go. You'll go to Coachella. I wonder how many of the acts. Is that you an would annual know. thing? It is. Yes. Is it in L.A.? Yeah, the Coachella Valley, I think, Coachella or whatever Valley. it's yeah, called. I don't, I don't know what that is. I guess in that area. Yeah. Anyway, you look, you look rested from your your trip down there. So I just wanted to point that out. Well, I am rested. Yeah. You were two for three. I am rested.
0: Yeah. I do have a haircut. <laughs> right. I was not a Coachella. No, you were not. So I'm well, sorry. What I was doing was I was. Watching the Mariners win baseball games to get to ten and six and have the best record in the American League, tied with a couple of other teams. There you go. I was doing that. I was wondering when the other Mitch is coming back. I miss Mitch Haniger. I was watching yeah. some guys struggle like Jared Kelnick and wondering about that. Oh. I was also hot shot. I don't know if you're aware of the story. I was also um, paying attention to the 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 firestorm of controversy. Actually, the aforementioned Mitch Haniger got himself in the middle of it. Of of morning show talk show host uh-huh. Mike Salk. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah, on I call it Cairo. Nobody calls it Cairo anymore. Yeah, it's not called that. Seven ten ESPN or it's the not, sports it's, station. It's not called that or, anymore. I don't know yeah. what it's called. Everybody, uh, people know what I'm talking. Seven ten on the AM. It's still seven ten on the AM. I, it is. Yes. There was a controversy. Apparently, I did not hear the actual comments, although I heard a clip that was making the rounds on yeah. social media. A Couple of
6: clips were floating okay, around. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mike Salk, mm-hmm. who is the morning show host and was doing Seven Tens morning Show with Brock when I was doing the morning show at KJr, right, He went off on Kyle Seeger. yes. Kyle Seeger probably, at least from what I can tell, one of the seven or eight most popular Mariners of all time. Yes. Now this isn't a this isn't a historically like legendary baseball organization. That has like like Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. But Fine. still, yeah. Kyle Seeger, I always thought of as a very, very popular member of the Mariners for a lot of years.
1: I was going to say top 10 if you were going to okay, ask top me. Okay, top 10. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. he just... He's beloved.
0: Salk just ripped him, apparently. Now that he's no longer... He's not on the team anymore. Correct. He lives in North Carolina with his family. Where he's from, I think. And they've got a new guy, now Suarez. Yeah? You know, I call him Bounce Back Suarez. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to be wrong about that. Um, and sorry. people are up in arms. Even Mitch Haniger jumped into the middle of it. He he called uh, – did you hear – I mean, maybe you can help here. He called Haniger a bad teammate, a cancer in the locker room, Wait, he, overrated. He called he called. I'm uh, sorry. What did I say? Haniger. Yeah. I apologize. Let me start again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he called Seager right. a bad teammate, like a poisonous in the locker room. Yep trying to turn everybody against the GM, bad for the organization. He took shots at the wife.
1: Yep, the family. The
0: family. Uh, I think he said he wants Kyle Seager to burn. I think that's the clip that I heard, the the word that I heard, burn.
1: felt unnecessary to me, but go ahead. It was
0: really, really harsh. And people, I think most people were like, whoa, whoa, Kyle Seager. So I was wondering whether you paid attention and whether you have any, you know, I, we both know Mike Salk. I know him just a little bit. Yeah. I've had like a lunch with him and I've talked with him a couple of times. Okay. I don't know him very well. I don't know his show very well because when I was working, I wasn't listening to it. And now I'm, I'm certainly not listening to the radio at six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> seven
1: o'clock in the morning. Yeah, But you, you had, you've had more dealings with him. Yeah, sure. Than I have. Right. And a lot of people, Mike has his detractors. A lot of them. Yes, I've heard like rumblings about people that have worked for him. Correct. Remember that, that whole thing came out. Uh, I don't know the Jim Moore article like a year ago. Oh yeah, he ripped. He ripped.
0: Oh yeah. So was- he
1: has his detractors. Yes, yes. But I'd be lying if I said I feel the same way. I just haven't had that experience with my okay. other than okay. him looking at me and saying I'm not ESPN material, which still hurts. That's right. He's
0: the to one which said I wanted that. to say.
1: Are you... <laughs> Are you sure you are? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, other than that, I, he's been nothing but good to me. Maybe because I'm bigger than him, I don't know what it is. He's always been nice to me. He called me out of the blue to fill in for Brock when I got let go at KJR, and yeah. I've done shows. So with you like him you like Mike Saw? He's been. You're allowed to, to my, like Mike. Yeah, off. he's been nice Do to you. Me? Listen to his show. Well, to be fair, I don't listen to anyone's show. I mean, not, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I've, you haven't listened to Mitch Unfiltered <laughs> in years. That's right. I don't even know how to get it, much less listen to it. So. <laughs> So I mean uh, but I mean I'm, I'm not against this. I don't think he sucks or any you know yeah, he's fine yeah, yeah I, I like yeah, his yeah. show. he's okay. all right.
0: so there's a few layers, there's a few layers to this yeah. I, the reason I'm bringing it up okay there's the layer of is it fair to go after Kyle Seeger? Um, there's the next layer of how about the spouse? How about the family? Is the spouse off is the wife off limits? is yeah. the family off limits? And if not, what do they have to do to become fair game? And then there's the additional kind of, well, were you ripping him when he was on the team or are you just ripping him now when he's off the team? So there's kind of three layers to this that I was going to bring up.
1: I was trying to piece this together because I don't really know the history of all this. Yes. And so this may or may not be true, but I, I did hear that that there was a thing with Kyle Seeger and Brock at one point. Brock Heward. Brock Heward. I his, don't know. His partner. And I don't again, know. Again, I just I heard this. That. So that's kind of where this comes from with Salk's vitriol that – Seeger would never go on their show, or he didn't want to talk to either of them. Because I was, it was pretty harsh. But to that say. doesn't make him a bad teammate. Well, no, but I think when he, but when he says, "I, I'm enjoying," I want Kyle Seager to burn. I
0: want Kyle Seager to burn.
1: It seemed a little unnecessary, like, and to go after the wife too. Burn? I mean, like what? Really? That seemed a little harsh to me. Yeah, I didn't find that necessary. I didn't. I have a hard time thinking Kyle Seager really wronged Salt so, so much that you want to see the guy burn. No, but
0: he was saying that based on his. I, I don't get the feeling that. The radio host was talking about the relationship with him, as much as he was talking about over overrated ball player, yeah. bad in the clubhouse. I think, I think there's a little teammate. personal stuff too, though. Well, you can't do that. I mean, you can't you can't let that come into it.
1: Yeah, you shouldn't. If you're yeah. going to
0: him as a professional, then it's got to be based on his professional abilities and antics, right, on the field and off the but field. But if you're
1: going to criticize him on the field, why would you want to see him burn? He's just a guy. I yeah. mean, who doesn't? Who clearly doesn't know. play baseball well enough know. for you?
0: I have not heard these things about Kyle Seager. I have not either. I'm not that close, but but I haven't heard it either. And and as close as you are, which is not very close, (laughs) I'm I'm just a little bit closer, but not much closer. My guess is that Mike Salk, being on the station that's been partnering up with the Mariners for all these years, probably knows a lot more than I know about the inner workings of the clubhouse. I can tell you, I have never heard... Those stories about yep. Kyle Seager. Nah. Everybody I've ever talked to, and this doesn't make it right. Right, he, Salk might be right. Yeah, they may have just put on a great act and a great front for me, but I have not heard that that teammates didn't like him yeah. and that he undercut teammates and he said nasty things to them and he tried to turn everybody against Jerry Depoto after a certain trip. Mm. I have not heard those things. They could be true. And if if Salk knows those things and he wants to go at him for that. That's one thing. I always got, and I and I'm not saying now somebody might call me out on this and say, "Mitch, in nineteen in 1998, you went after so and so's wife or whatever." <laughs> yeah, I always hesitated on on the spouses and on the family. Always hate that. That always made me a little uneasy. I, I always felt like, okay, the athlete himself or herself, they're fair game, but. To go after the wife, now, some would say, hold on a second, hold on a second. Has she put herself out there? Yeah. Has she done something in social media, criticized people, or been... a bit? I'll tell you where I remember having a dilemma about this very subject, and I'm wondering how you feel about this, how you feel about going after family and spouses. I can remember one in particular where I really was torn about how I wanted to go on KJR. Do you
1: remember Kurt Warner's wife? I do, yes. And I haven't seen the movie, but yes, I remember her vividly. I haven't seen the movie either. Yeah. But you do you recall that when he was in his
0: in his prime with the Rams that she was going on social media, she was calling into radio stations. I think she was might be maybe even going on stations and TV as guests and being very outspoken and I remember her rubbing me the wrong way. And having kind of an internal dilemma when I went to the morning show on KJR, do I go after Kurt Warner's wife? Right. Has she done enough? Has she put herself enough out there that makes her fair game? But other than that, I can't recall ever thinking, all right, I'm going after the wife or I'm going after the kids.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, but the I kind of drew the line there. The fact that you didn't go after her hairstyle, it says a lot about you. <laughs> I may have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that says that you're a bigger person I than me to not that. go after yeah. the, the flat top. So
0: where least. are you on the wife and the
1: I think the it family. does depend on how they conduct themselves and how how out there they are. I, Julie Seeger, is that her name? Right. Julie Seeger, I think, is her name. Yes. Yeah. She's got eight, nine thousand followers. You know, she's not I mean, that's a lot, I guess. But she's not, you know, this huge mega Twitter star. But she does put herself out there, and does she she okay. makes people know that she's Kyle's, and she says funny stuff, and she's definitely got a presence on social media. Does that mean she's fair game? I personally wouldn't go, f- wouldn't go after her. I wouldn't her go
3: there. I wouldn't go there.
1: Her husband chose this life. Yeah, and yeah, she married him. But to me, yeah. that's yeah, I would separate his public persona and profile from her. So I, I well, personally wouldn't have gone after. Well, her. Mitch Haniger, and maybe other. Kyle
0: Seeger teammates. Yes, I think there's been two or JP three. J.P. Crawford? Yeah, I think J.P. Crawford. Yeah, he came after it. They, too. They, they went out and said, what are you talking about? Right. Seegs was the best. He was the yep. cap, whatever. Now, again, they may be covering up something. Yeah. I don't know. Right. But you would trust Mitch Haniger. You would trust J, J.P. Crawford. Yeah. I think before you would trust somebody who's on the outside like a radio host. And then there's the last thing that, you know, brings up a much bigger kind of subject okay. in the sports radio world. I don't know that anybody would be interested in this except for like me and maybe not even you, maybe you, <laughs> but the whole question that I have, and I, look, I don't know the answer because I didn't listen. So I don't know the, I truly don't know the answer to the question I'm going to ask, okay. which is, was he killing Kyle Seeger for all of these things when Seeger was on the team a team that's a partner of that radio station forever? Yeah. Or did he start did he start the 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 tough talk when Seager was no longer on the team and moved to North Carolina? Now the reason I bring that up is it brings up a bigger a bigger issue and it's always been an issue with sports radio stations. Sports radio stations want to have the games on the air. Right. Because it's revenue sure. and it's credibility. But it also sometimes put them in a pickle of what they can say. Now they're your partner. How how harsh can you be when it's called for? It, yep. it brings that whole thing up into question. That's
1: and why KJR was great at one time because we didn't have the Seahawks or the Mariners. So we could shit on both of them and not ruin <laughs> not ruin any relationship. But we, we had, had the have, Sonics had the and George Sonics. Carl hated us. That's right. right. <laughs> Fine. One out of three. And
0: yeah. so I, what I would just ask is, and maybe somebody out there would say, Mitch, he has been killing Julie Seeger and Kyle Seeger for five years with him on the team, a bad third baseman, a bad clubhouse guy, and if that's the case, good for good for Mike Salk. If it's not the case, yeah. and he protected, and he didn't say those things until now, then I have to ask the question, well, how much do we... Tr- if he was holding the... He obviously felt these things about him. Yeah. If he waited till now to tell us, well, then I got to ask the question about him and the other hosts there, how much do we feel like we're getting how, their true beliefs if he didn't mm. say anything about her and about Kyle Seeger until they were no longer on the team? If he was n- intentionally, because he was protecting the relationship between the radio station and the team. Sure, which you have to how, do, yeah. Okay, and he didn't want to do it. All right, so what are the other hosts not telling us yeah. how they feel about certain players yeah. because they don't want to ruffle feathers with the team.
1: That makes sense? It does. I I tried to dig in a little bit to get people's, you know, it's all secondhand, but from what I can sort of understand is that he was tough on Kyle Seager when he was on, when Kyle was on the Mariners, but it wasn't. I'm talking about this. It wasn't this.
0: I'm I'm talking about calling him a clubhouse cancer. It wasn't this. Saying I want him to burn. Yeah. Talking about his wife and his family. I'm at we all say that we don't like certain players. Whether you're, I mean, you can say that. You're right. The question is, did he go this far when Kyle Seeger was a an employee of the team that's been a long time partner of Seven Ten? That's my question.
1: Yeah, I. From the, what I and understand, and my guess is, is no. <laughs> your, your guess, I think, is right. But my my question to you is, do you think that if you're at the Mariners, do, does it matter that Kyle seeger has gone now? He has a green light to rip him like he did or i mean no i think if you're the mariners you probably don't love it now you're okay. asking me if i love it now yeah 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 but i think it's
0: entirely different if he's playing third base every day for your team
1: it is oh, okay all oh. like way way different i mean oh. cuz he's still like a beloved figure he was on the mariners the year before he's probably going to be
0: I way way different i don't know how to quantify how different yeah yeah okay if you're if you're putting out a product every day and yeah. he's third, hitting third or fourth or fifth or sixth in the lineup and playing third base that vitriol is a lot different than if he's living in North Carolina with his family okay. being a former member. But, you know, I get your point. Because uh, if he's I still, were. He's still a beloved, you would think a
1: beloved ex Mariner, one of the top yeah. 10 most popular ones. Yes. If I, get I were it. on 710, which I never will be because I'm an ESPN material. But had I been on 710. Well, se- maybe you are now after all <laughs> your practice. <laughs> That's true. But if I was on that station and we had the Mariners and there's a relationship. I don't think I'd be going after Seeger one year removed from that. I think I'd be a little nervous about doing that. I, I think the Mariners would hate that, actually, and really, yeah, come down. I mean, I remember getting a call from I kept Randy, was that Randy Adamack? Sure, Randy. I, I yeah. said something, just a nothing throwaway comment on KJR yes. when I was with yes. Gas, and he like calls me off the air and wants to like have dinner and talk about. Well, he, I, you yeah, know he did it the right way, yeah. But, I mean, he was, like, listening, and it, like, yeah, pissed but, him off. Yes. And, like, I know that the Mariners yeah. down there, they... Yes, they've, they're sensey poo it, well, Everybody twi- is sensitive. It's been 20 years since they've been in the playoffs. Yes. I mean, you know, they take a lot yes. of shit. And yes, So I'm surprised that they, that they would be okay with this, is what I'm trying to say. And I definitely would not have gone after Seeger or his wife. Look, we
0: could talk... We could do shows and shows about sports radio stations and the pursuit of play-by-play rights of the local teams. And what that does to the product... <laughs> yeah the rest of the day before those games are on. No doubt. You know, I was torn. I mean, for years and years on KJ, I don't mind saying it. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn. We tried like hell. Every time the Mariners came up, we knew they were going back to 7-10. Yeah, I can tell you. Uh, we la- I used to laugh about it. They'd come to, oh, I think we really got a shot this time. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd walk out of it doing, the, doing this routine. Well, yeah, <laughs> You know, when the Seahawks were up, when the Mariners up, we tried like hell. Yeah. And as far as I was concerned, those those teams were going back to seven ten. They, used they us were using as a, yeah, right. That's as right. leverage. <laughs> that's right. But uh, boy, did they have us full? Fool- oh, oh, we are on the doorstep. We're this close. Just,
3: Tom Lee but coming the,
0: in. But the point of the the reason I bring it up is yeah. the point of the matter is I just remember driving home from those meetings, saying to myself, "God, it would be great because it would bring tons of new people to the station." You know, one hundred and sixty-two games a year in the Mariners' case. Yeah. Weekends on the Seahawks, I mean the Seahawks. Being the Seahawks day would be great. Awesome, yeah. But then I'd also say on the next exit on the on the uh, on ninety, I'd say, "Shit, am I going to get called out if I make fun of somebody for throwing off their back foot, or I make fun of somebody for always being hurt? Am yeah. I going to get called by Pearson right. or by Adamac every time? Do I am I going to be called into the office every time I want to say something critical or just joke around? That's right. That's what I do. I joke around at people's expense. Sometimes, right? yes, you do. So I I was torn of whether yeah. I wanted to be I wanted to be in that relationship.
1: But Yeah, well, we didn't have to worry about it too much at KJR, did we? We never got the old <laughs> Mariners or the Seahawks. So you were home free. You didn't have to worry. I mean, go back to George Carl.
0: I joke about George Carl. Yeah. Oh. I mean, when we were the we were the Sonic station, we were at one point owned by Barry Ackerley, the sure. team that the guy who owned the Sonics. And George, not only were we partners with them, they had a head coach who listened morning, day, and Morning, noon, and night to the
1: station. It's crazy how and much he listened. And
0: if he heard one damn thing, he didn't even. You know, to his credit, if the Mariners hear something, they go to Randy Adamack. Adamac goes to us and yeah. says, "Hey, can I have dinner with Yach?" Right, right. That's the. That's what happens. Yeah, yeah. If the Seahawks get pissed, they go to Pearson. Pearson comes to us. If George Carl got pissed, he just. Turn his car around, (laughs) drive to the station, and throw something at you in the middle
1: of the show. He threw things
0: at me in the middle of the show.
1: He would take his hand and swipe all the carts off
0: the cart thing. He'd come walking in. Oh, yeah. He just.
1: Carte blanche. He'd he'd, he'd throw everything. He didn't go
0: to wall. He didn't go to like Mark Moquin or somebody. He just. (laughs) Just, oh, he just came in and, and ruined the place. That's yes, right. Just yeah, yeah. destroyed the place. Yeah, and pointed at you yeah. and then walked out. He did, you know, so it is credit. He did. He did
1: it a different way. He did. I remember yeah. when Tepper was doing nights at KJR. It was, yes. They, remember they lost the first round to Denver and then the Lakers in the first round. Do I remember? Yeah. No, I don't remember. And then it was the the third year. They it looked like they might. And so Tepper was calling it Die Hard Three, and he was making fun of Carl <laughs> Die Hard Three. You know, he's just going off on George Carl, and then he like literally thought George was going to come try to fight him. Because he had heard oh, stories about oh, George yeah, yeah. had yeah. no trouble just walking in the studio. Oh, no, like, no, no. He was, he, <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I remember those days. Yeah, it's shocking one he got in a fistfight with George Carl. <laughs> anyway. I'm just surprised I'll, Mike went down this road. Uh, I really am. Well, uh, you know. It seems weird. I don't well, know. It seems it very be, personal and weird to me. I
0: don't want to bring, again, I don't want to sound sour grapes. It could be for attention. We do things as radio hosts all the what? time for attention. Oh, come on. Is that yes. true? Yes, okay. it could be. Hey, I want to. I want to say something outlandish. Maybe the. I don't know where the numbers are good. The ratings yeah. are good. I don't. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe it was a, you know, kind of a pre-orchestrated. Pl- I know. I know. I'm going to get a lot of hate, but maybe I can generate some buzz. He's got us talking about it. it sure does. There's, there's a little of that. Maybe. I'll just say this, as a, and I'm not a Mariners fan like a lot of our listeners are. I'm a Johnny come lately Mariners fan since 1995. Right. I wasn't here when they first started. I wasn't here when Junior first came into the scene. I was 1995. I hope that he's wrong about Kyle Seeger. Mm. I'm going to end the segment with that. I don't know if he is. I hope... It, I have liked Kyle Seeger. Yeah. I don't know. I just... But is it is it possible that he... I hope he's wrong about Kyle Seeger. But does, I hope that Mitch... Mitchie Haniger and J.P. Yeah. Crawford are telling the truth that this is a bunch of bullshit and that he was... A, because he... He came across to me for ten or twelve years as just like a wholesome, great guy yes. who you loved on your team. I, I I I don't want this to be true.
1: But does it have to be a right or wrong? Is it possible that Salk had yeah. a, an ugliness with Kyle and they had a weird confrontation or whatever it is? But Kyle is a good guy. I mean, it, 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 I think Scott, you're 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 focusing on the relationship
0: between Salk, Brock, and Kyle Seager. What yes. I'm talking about is. The contention by the radio host that the guy in the locker room with his teammates was a cancer. Okay. That he was a bad teammate for years and years and turned people against other people in that clubhouse and and tried to set up a mutiny against Jerry DePoto. The, that's what I'm talking okay. about. So, all right. so I'm not focusing on what the relationship is between Salkin. and it it could be a part of it all. Yeah. I'm hoping that Seeger wasn't that. Yeah. I, I that's mean, what I'm saying.
1: I'm with you. And he and I chatting it up in, in a line at Jimmy John's one day. Does Who? It, you and Seeger? Me and Seeger. Doesn't mean he's a good or bad guy, but he was great to me. That's all <laughs> did I Did he know. buy your sandwich? And I didn't did he ask, get a number nine? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't ask. Freaky fast. I remember talking to Seeger. He's never
0: been accused of being freaky fast.
1: No, no. no he's a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, Freaky Fast is yeah, not one of them. Yeah. But he, the the interactions I've had, you know, he would come down to the, the Groswith gas a whatever that was called, yes, you know, and yeah. just seemed like this nice North Carolina guy. I, I just want to believe that. I haven't heard one story from yeah, anyone that he yeah. was an a-hole. Uh, not one story. So I, it was my daughter's favorite player. She had the little Seeger hat. She really? Loves, yeah, loves uh, him. So I'm I'm with you. I don't want any I of this to be. I don't want that to be true. I mean, I, I don't think, is Mike going to seriously go on the air and just make up no, a bunch of crap? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. It's it's tough. Maybe I'll text him after the show. Hey, did you make all that up? Or is he really a jerk? Tell me the the scoop. Okay, three interviews,
0: episode 188. We've got lots of other stuff for the last segment as well. It's time to check back in with John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions. He's back with us. Fireplaces, garage doors, you name it. How goes it over there, John?
7: It's doing great. Uh, We've had to get through this mucky weather like you know, Mitch, but uh, (laughs) it looks like the sun's popping back out. Things are starting to shine a little bit more.
0: Like everywhere else, you and I have been talking about the wait times for non-stock orders because of the shipping issue that everybody has. Are you seeing any improvement on that end?
7: We definitely have seen some improvement. I can't say it's going to be quick, Mm -hmm. but uh, it has improved. And uh, our manufacturers have done a wonderful job of just looking at their processes, looking at what we're going through right now, these shortages, and and doing a good job to get lead times down. And what do you think they are? Uh, Sometimes it depends. Like I said, we always have the stock list and we can Mm -hmm. talk about that. But uh, we also have some things that are on longer lead times. But instead of waiting 30 weeks, we've kind of shrunk that down maybe to 18 to 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's not short, but it's gotten better.
0: But there's always that option of purchasing and installing a unit that's in your inventory, which is what we did here at the Levy household. So let's walk through that for a second. The Fireside Home Solutions team comes to your home free of charge. They look at your space, analyze and listen to your needs. Then we visit one of your many showrooms in the Pacific Northwest.
7: Yep. Just talk to your sales rep. We'll come out to your house. We'll look at what you want, and then just let your sales rep know. Is it speed that you need? If you need that, we'll get the stock list together. We'll find something that works, and we can get that installed in about three weeks. If you have some time, let us know, and we can get exactly what you want. And we just have to be patient, just like in any, any order that we're talking about with these longer lead times.
0: Perfect. A few years ago, you guys wandered into the garage door market, too. How's that been going? Because I'm hearing about some exciting things coming down the line.
7: Yeah, it's been great. We've continued to grow that business, and uh, here in the fall, we're going to go ahead and open a showroom in Tacoma. It's going to help the South Sound areas, and it's going to be really nice to be able to have Bellevue, Auburn, and Tacoma, and just be able to help those customers in Pacific Northwest. That's
0: awesome. Now, before you go, you have to tell our audience where you were for the first time in the middle of April and what you thought.
7: Oh, uh, I got to have that bucket list checked off and I was able to get to go guess uh pretty awesome, awesome to watch Scotty Seffler uh, hit some great shots, but the course is just a special place.
0: Well, I'll say it then. We love Fireside Home Solutions, a tradition unlike any other, and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, let's change gears. And get the uh, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, Lindsey Schwartz, on Mitch Unfilter. Find out how Easter weekend
2: went and a big weekend
0: is coming up in May. Lindsey, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Mitch. Yeah, it was uh, a great weekend for Easter. Always a really busy day for us. A really busy Sunday. And now we're getting excited about Mother's Day. So
0: we like rankings on Mitch Unfiltered. All sports show like statistics and rankings and power polls. What I want to know is where does Mother's Day, what is it, May 8th this year, Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day. In terms of power rankings, where does Mother's Day weekend rank for weekends throughout the season, throughout the year for you?
2: Well, I can tell you as far as power rankings, the Sunday is for sure the busiest Sunday of the year. That really? would be number one. Okay, Absolutely. Yeah, the weekend is a good one, but it's, it's really heavily concentrated on Sunday. What's the biggest weekend of the year then? I would say in December, it's the couple of weekends before Christmas. That's when people are having holiday parties or just getting out to celebrate. So, yeah, the month of December is a great month for us. And those two weekends right before Christmas are the biggest.
0: And does Lindsey Schwartz's mom go to Daniel's broiler? Now, be honest. Every Mother's Day. You know, Mitch, she goes
2: there every Thanksgiving because yes. you, uh, yes. you got to meet her there. Yes. Sometimes we do on Mother's Day, but our big thing with her is, is actually Thanksgiving at Daniel's.
0: And when Lindsay Schwartz's mom, who I'm sure is a big listener of Mitch Unfiltered, when she goes to Daniel's Broiler, what does she get? Same meal every time or does she change it up?
2: My mom gets the same thing every time. She gets the salmon, and I'll tell you something interesting. My mom is actually a pescatarian. She doesn't eat red meat, oh. but one of the cool things about Daniel's is we make sure that we have something for everybody. As, as we've talked about, we've got a great vegetarian menu, and we always have a really good salmon selection. That's what she gets.
0: Tell us the schedule. What do you do special on Mother's Day Sunday? Is there anything we need to know?
2: We just have a special uh, hour. So just like Easter, we open early on Sunday, Easter and Mother's Day are the days we open early on Sunday. We open at noon at the Lake Union location and Bellevue location and at 11 at Leshai. And does she listen to the show? I'll tell you what, she does listen to the show. Stop But it. the reason is she wants to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know about your other listeners, but no. but my mom listens so that she can hear me. See, that's I- what she loves about the show. But I will tell you this: she tries to listen to the whole show, but but she did tell me she thinks you talk too much about golf, and <laughs> she's not uh, she's not a big fan of that. So that that's a little feedback uh, for you.
0: Daniel's broiler from Mother's Day, May eighth. It's a big weekend. If you can't get reservations. For the actual Sunday May 8th Of course Friday night Saturday night It's a great weekend Where we celebrate All the moms out there And Daniel's Broiler Is the number one place To do it A world class steakhouse
5: Unfiltered
8: Moore was allegedly assaulted Saturday after she tossed Kiara Thomas from the game, but it didn't happen immediately according to Christie. The mad mom allegedly stuck around and ambushed the official in the parking lot. Moore says it's for reasons like this that there is a nationwide umpire shortage.
0: Our next guest posted an Instagram picture and message last week that stopped me and everyone who read it in his or her tracks. On April 9th, assaulted by the mother of a 12-year-old girl softball player, not three steps from the field to exit. Christy Moore is an Ellisville, did I get this right? Ellisville, Mississippi resident, right? That's correct. All right. So far, so good. Who in her free time happens to organize and umpire kids softball and baseball. Christy, it's great to have you on. I know the The publicity of all of this isn't easy, but it's necessary, isn't it?
9: It is. It's not been easy at all, but um, hopefully there'll be some good changes come about from this.
0: Let's start with how you're feeling. Any internal damage, any fractures, any nerves?
9: Um, I did have some nerve damage when I went to the doctor, but nothing broken. So bruising is almost cleared up. You look great. still have a little. Thank you.
0: So start from the beginning. For our audience who has no idea about this story, you're in Laurel, Mississippi. You weren't even supposed to be at the game. You were you were setting up the umpires for the game, but one official couldn't make it, right?
9: Actually, I was there um, in the UIC capacity. I was the umpire in charge. Uh, this game took place about 7 p.m. Um, on April the 9th. Had an umpire get sick, so I hopped on the field to call this game and... This team was a little rowdy from the get-go. The lady that punched me was actually the second lady that I tossed during this game and play it second, runner slid. She was under the tag. I called her safe, and it kind of went downhill from there. (laughs) She started yelling profanities across the field at me. She was going to beat the F out of me, called me the B word, I was cheating these kids, that kind of thing. So I told her she was going to have to leave. She refused to leave. I told the coach um, at that point, you know, if she doesn't leave, then we're going to have to forfeit this game because we do not um, condone this behavior in front of the children. He never got off his bucket, never went down to where she was at. He just kind of looked over there and kind of waved his hand and told somebody, you know, she needs to leave. She got up to leave. She turned around, looked at me, said, when you come off the field, I am going to slap the F out of you, B word, and turn around and walk away." So in my mind, you know, I was like, okay, well, she's mad. You know, she's obviously pretty upset. But she'll calm down. She's going to leave. It'll be, you know, okay, we continue the game. We played about two more innings of this game. And I was about three steps off the field after the game. And, I mean, like, she was just there, like – and she said, now what do you got to say to me? b word. And punched me and said, don't play with me and fled.
0: You didn't get much help from the coaches. How about the other officials? How about the other umpires?
9: No, I didn't, I didn't get any help from, from other people. No. Why? I don't know. I mean, she did walk off, but when she walked off, she went around the other side of the concession stand. There's some trees there, whatever, and kind of hid in the trees there and waited until the game was over, and, and then that's when she came back. Mm.
0: So, And so she fled, but they caught up to her and pulled her over on the, on the roads after a description or a description of her car, and she was arrested?
9: Correct, Yes. Uh, Well, she was arrested, went to the police station, and uh, probably about an hour inconvenience for her day, bonded out at $422. And you? I had to go to the police station and and press charges, fill out the paperwork to press charges. Needless to say, I was shook up. Like, I literally shook for probably about three hours after this incident. The poor policeman, he just kept saying, you know, it's adrenaline, it's adrenaline, you're okay, you're okay. But um, went back to the sportsplex, got my stuff, and left when I got down at the police station. How much
0: does an umpire get paid to do a game of 12-year-old softball gals like you did that night? $40. $40. You know, in some states, I I know you know this, in some states, physically striking a, a baseball umpire is a felony. In, right. f- in fact, I learned that in Mississippi there was some legislation that was proposed to do just that, but it fell flat, right?
9: Correct, and I, I'm very angry about that. Um, had that passed and she would have known that this was going to be you know, a felony charge on her instead of a uh, misdemeanor, then maybe that would have deterred her actions from behaving the way that she did.
0: By the way, Christy Moore is our guest. This is the net. This is what she wrote on her Instagram. The next time you go to a tournament and you have only one umpire on the field, this is why. This was next to the picture of, uh, of you and your eye. When you have brand new umpires on the field that may not know everything that they should know, this is why. When you don't feel you have the quality of umpires that you should, this is why. And when the day comes that your kid can't play a baseball game because there are no longer officials, to call it, this is why. The shortage of officiating is real and prevalent all over the country. Right, Christy? My, yes, my, it is. My son has had high school games here in the Seattle area postponed because mm-hmm. no available officials. couple of games, a yep. couple of baseball, high school baseball games, had one home plate umpire trying to make calls out in the field as well because there weren't enough umpires, and this is not helping.
9: No, this behavior does not help. You know, I, I try to recruit um, new umpires all the time. The veterans are quitting by the droves and in every sport, um, all officials, they're just done They They don't want to put up with it anymore. And then so, you know, for my own self, I recruit new people in to train to umpire and, you know, I get them out there three, four days in, they get a good cussing. And, you know, yelled at whoever, and they're like, you know what, forget this. I can go cut grass on the weekend and put some change in my pocket. You know, I can find something else to do where I don't have to tolerate this behavior, and and then they're done. So we're left with, you know, a nationwide shortage of officials.
0: And this is not an isolated instance. Now, of course, there there aren't physical altercations every day, but as you just explained— this is something that's happening game in day in day out officials getting mistreated at least verbally mistreated
9: oh yeah all the time all the time from 8 on up I mean it it starts uh, early and it it goes all the way up through all all ages it's something has to be done or we're vastly approaching um, a time when there's not going to be officials to call these games. What can
0: be done, Christy?
9: I think for a start, um, legislation has got to change in the States that do not have this as a felony in their states, the law has got to be passed to make their stricter consequences that will deter this kind of behavior. You know, I don't know if you saw her post on Facebook or not, but she was laughing about it, you know, like, oh, this is a, a little you know, a misdemeanor that I'm going to beat what the F y'all thought and just with a bunch of little smiley emojis or whatever. This is not okay. It's not okay to put your hands on an official because you disagree with a call that they made in a youth game. There are not scouts out here in a 12-U ball game and travel ball. You know, your child's future is not determined by a safe out call at second base. There's just no excuse for this behavior, and and it's got to stop. And until we pass legislation in the states that is not passed in to make it stricter consequences, until people – start having consequences for these actions at tournaments and know that it's not okay to cuss an official. It's not okay to put your hands on an official. You know, if something's got to change or we're not going to have anybody. Okay,
0: so the legislation, let's say the legislation changes and it makes it a felony to strike an official. All right, that will, I would think, help that part of it. But will, will that help the... The verbal assaults, the screaming and the yelling and the cussing out of officials, is that going to help?
9: I don't know if that will help that or not. I think officials, um, we, we have to come together at this point in every sport and just say, okay, this is enough. You know, we—we we, for the ones... I obviously don't have a problem tossing some somebody, but there are officials out there that that that's just a last resort and they let it just build up and build up and get out of hand. As soon as a cuss word comes out, Hey, that's it. You're gone. That's That's it. Period. Make an example. You know, Hey, you've got to be strict. You've got to enforce the rules. There's no, there's no vulgarity. There's no cuss words. As soon as it comes out, coach, parent, I don't care who it is. They're gone.
0: Have you thought about quitting since this incident? Or has this made you strong? It almost looks like, I have you on Zoom, it almost looks like it's made you stronger.
9: I I would be lying if I said it has not crossed my mind. I had games scheduled for Monday and Thursday night, the week after this happened, and also this week, and I scheduled someone else to call those games. I've not been back out there since this happened.
0: Did you almost not post that Instagram picture?
9: Um, you know, when I posted the picture originally, it was just to my page. It wasn't public. I just made it to my friends. And uh, one of my friends posted on there and said, Hey, can you make this shareable? You know, I've got a lot of uh, official friends that I think need to see this. I said, sure. So I made it public where he could share it. And boy, it just, it took off.
0: Aren't you glad you did?
9: Uh, yes and no, Uh. (laughs) I, I am glad that this has brought such an awareness to an issue that needed to be addressed. But if I said it hasn't been a little overwhelming, you know, I I would be lying. But my hope is at the end of the day, that something good will come from this and that some changes will be put into motion that will benefit all officials in every sport.
0: Tell everybody what what was on her T-shirt. When she she was arrested and she ended up in the police station, what was on her T-shirt? What was the T-shirt she was wearing when she threw a punch at at an umpire of a 12-year-old softball game? What was the T-shirt she was wearing?
9: Mother of the year.
0: You can't make this up. (laughs) (laughs)
9: <laughs> no you can't no nope. and one of my friends said you know hey she's probably not sorry she punched you she's not sorry about that at all but she's dang sure sorry she wore that shirt that day <laughs> because she's got roasted all over the place <laughs> uh,
0: Christy you look great you sound great you're very courageous in in making and making this a public thing it's important what you did was it very is. very important and I think As time goes on, you're going to realize that you helped, you might have helped a lot of people. So thank you very much, and thanks for joining us on Mitch Unfiltered, Christy. Thank you so
9: much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So let's bring into the conversation Mississippi State Representative Fred Shanks, who has not only fought for House Bill 169, which is near and dear to his heart because he's the son of, of a long-time baseball coach in Jackson. Fred, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Explain what Bill 169 is and the the origin of it.
6: Sure. Thank, thank you for having me on, Mitch. Uh, House Bill 169 was an idea that you know my dad came to me about. Uh, he and all of his coaching buddies and umpires and the like, they all drink coffee about once a week here in town. And they said, look, we've got a real problem with young people wanting to get into the umpire game. And the big problem that we have is, is these parents, you know, in, in most cases are just, are just getting unruly. We're having to, you know, constantly throw parents out of games on weekends and it's just getting to be a real problem. Yeah. So we looked at kind of a model of what California is doing. Actually, there's a few States doing similar bills, but California had a pretty good one. So we kind of, looked at that and, you know, came up with kind of our own version of it. It's real simple. Instead of, you know, an assault on an umpire, instead of it be, or athletic official, I should I should say, instead of it being a simple assault, it gets elevated to an aggravated assault. Uh, the, the fine on that here in Mississippi would be up to like $5,000. And, you know, depending on how severe, I mean, it could be up to 20 years in jail being an aggravated assault, you know, felony charge.
0: So this incident goes from, a simple assault, misdemeanor to a felony. Uh-huh. The mother who threw the punch doesn't just walk out of the, the station 45 minutes after uh, receiving a it, fine.
4: It,
6: exactly, exactly. And I'm willing to bet, I'm also in law enforcement, and I'm willing to bet that that person knew that all they were facing was a fine. They knew that. And and the person willing to commit an act like this, that that, uh, that severe, uh, if they knew a felony charge was, was hanging over their, their head for doing something like that, they'd have gotten in the car and went home. So was Bill 169
0: given the cold shoulder the first time around? And if so, why?
6: Well, it, it was a little unfortunate. Uh, it's a big process just to get a bill to the actual House floor to be voted on. It has to come through committee first, which it did do. And uh, the chairman of Judiciary B liked the bill. We got it through committee. We bring it to the House floor. And on the floor, I started having Uh, a few questions from some, some attorneys, you know, who are, you know, in the house chamber and we decided to what's called uh, lay it on the table and come back later and pick it back up. And we had a, just a monumental session. And unfortunately just kind of got put on the back burner. And, uh, but we will be bringing it back up in January. And I I, I fully anticipate that it will pass. What were those questions? Well, the, the, what, what you've got, in, and I'm not trying to be harsh, but I think you've got a lot of people who did not either – their kids don't play sports or the parents were not athletic people, were not sports inclined. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that they understand the severity of, of what has happened in you know in baseball and umpire and athletic officials mm-hmm. in general and how, how things have gotten so wild as we now see. You know, I, I just don't think people who are not involved realize – that has come to this point. So there's a few questions like that. And it was also some people who are kind of small government minded as well, who don't like any new laws being passed. They think we have too many laws. So that's a little bit of the opposition right there. And
0: how big of a story is Christie's there where you are in your state and will it help move the needle? Do you think?
6: Oh, I absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, it is an unfortunate situation and I, I really hate it happened to her. But as soon as it happened, my phone started blowing up mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of people knew that I had the bill and, you know, it was a good bill. A- absolutely. And I do think and, and I hate again, I hate this happened, but I do think so, it, it, it's going to take something like that to move the needle. And I think it has. I really do.
0: And I'm assuming your dad is weighed in on the topic.
6: Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> called me every day.
0: <laughs> He'll be tuning in
6: shortly. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: How long until this is actually in play? I use a Well, un-
6: yeah. uh, unfortunately, we are, our uh, we have session here in Mississippi, and our our uh, legislative session is January, February, and March. So it it won't be until next January, and we'll we'll resubmit the bill, and we will get it through. And uh, and I plan on having uh, more conversations with Miss Moore, and and I I'm gonna have a hearing at some point this year, right? Prior to next year, and I plan on getting her there too to how hear from her.
0: How many other states are going this route? Do you know, Fred?
6: Uh, I know of three or four. Uh, there may be more than that. That's that's all that I, I kind of just looked at in my research. Yeah. yeah I, w- I would imagine it's going to be qu- quite a few more after, uh, you know, th- this happening in Mississippi. It may push the needle with other states, I, I, I think.
0: Well, I think you said it best. This was an, a horrific instance of misbehavior, uh-huh. but something good In the long run, could come out of it. And I think that's what Christie wants as well. Representative Fred Shanks in the state, the great state of Mississippi. We thank you for joining us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Fred. Thank you, Mitch. Appreciate it. Time for a visit from our mortgage slash football slash tournament expert. J-Flow, Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J-Flow? I'm doing well, Mitch. It's crazy. Diaper dandies. It's amazing. (laughs) Diaper dandies is right. Between the birth of Barrett and now the tournament, I can't imagine there's a lot of work getting done over there. Any time for refis
4: or phone calls? Oh, there's time for refis. <laughs> there's time for diaper changes. There's time for basketball. It's amazing. I'm the head coach of my son's baseball team. Oh. There's always time. Who does Barrett, who does young, how old is Barrett now? And who does Barrett have in his final four? You know, Barrett is five weeks old and he is a Duke fan. So Duke's winning it all for him. It's <laughs> not for me though. Not for me. I have UCLA winning it all. And your daughter filled out a bracket? <laughs> (laughs) My daughter filled out a bracket. We called it... Blakely's bracket busters and hers is busted already. She picked San Diego State to win it all. She's five.
0: (laughs) All right. Lots of volatility in the stock markets. What has that meant for interest rates and your side of the world?
4: Yes. So rates have been continuing to climb here recently um, as the Fed tries to get out in front of inflation hopefully and curb the long-term yield curve. So uh, right now we're seeing rates go up mid to upper threes on certain products and low for. So overall still great time to look at buying a home, especially in this market. And also great time to still be looking at uh, refinances, both cash out, consolidating debt, and there's still people dropping interest rates or getting out of say FHA and conventional loans. So still lots of loans to be had out there.
0: Let's say I'm buying a new house, Jordan, for a million bucks. I've got a great credit history. I'm looking at a 30 year fixed. What am I doing? Putting 20% down, 200 grand down. And what's my What's my monthly number through you guys?
4: Yeah, pretty standard, 20% down for a jumbo loan. Um, you're looking in the upper threes. We call it 375, give or take right now. We have 5 and 10% down options with no mortgage insurance on jumbo products too. So I would say the number you'd be looking at is somewhere around that 375 range. Beautiful.
0: And how do I call you in between diaper changes in NCAA tournament games?
4: Absolutely. You can reach me on the cell phone, 425-425.
0: We love J-Flow. He's a dad for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. Cross-country mortgage, Kirkland office, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered
10: think anybody today uh, who did not who wasn't there that witnessed it and I don't think anybody before will ever see that level of play again. It was the most remarkable uh, golf uh, in the history of the game and I think uh, unrepeatable. I think it's it was that good. Going back to I look at 2000 as being kind of the benchmark at the US Open as being the greatest golf I've ever ever witnessed and I believe ever has been played.
0: Our next guest one of the better known golf writers in America, following the PGA tour for years and years, most of which on ESPN, now has a new book out this week. Everybody's got a book except for me, Bob. Tiger and Phil <laughs> Golf's most fascinating robbery. He's Bob Harrig. This is exciting. Bob, how you feeling about the launch this week?
10: Hey, I'm I'm happy it's finally here. It's uh <laughs> it's been a long time coming and you know, this has been a project of about two years. And, and so it's kind of nice to finally see the book in its uh, finished state. Anxious to see how it's
0: received. Bob, so many books have been written about Tiger. And now there's a big one from Shupnik about Phil. But none have dissected the 25-year relationship between the two. That's the idea here.
10: That's correct. I mean, I'm sure Alan's book is going to be great. He, he did a Phil biography. You know, I did a deep dive into the two players as their careers dissected and diverged, and you know it's a little bit unique to go at it that way. Certainly, I think there's reasons to believe that they were rivals, but the record maybe doesn't suggest that. And I try to I try to address that as well. You know, obviously Tiger's record, nobody's close. You know, and and uh, but yet nobody's close to Phil if you take Tiger out. That's right. And and what's crazy is Phil was Tiger before Tiger. You know, I go all the way back to the beginning when they were kids and we all sort of know. I think most people understand that Tiger was great from an early age. He won the U.S. Amateur three times, which is a historic achievement. Nobody's had done it before, not even Bobby Jones. Nobody since it's very hard task. But, you know, Phil won three NCAA titles. He won a USAM. He won a tour event as, as an amateur. The Tucson Open in 1991. Phil was a junior in college and actually went back to school and, and finished fourth in the NCAAs that year. He beat all the pros but didn't beat all the, all the college kids. Tiger never won. Never actually came close to winning a PJ Tour event as an amateur. And so I try to point out that Phil is incredibly well-regarded. When, when when Tiger was in high school, he would have maybe if he, if he didn't look up to Phil, he certainly was aware of Phil mm-hmm. and how great Phil was yeah. because, because Phil was in college and everybody knew he was going to be a great pro and actually exceeded it.
0: It's funny, Bob, because in the beginning, I got the feeling that Tiger didn't like Phil while Phil wanted very much to be liked by Tiger. That's the feeling I got, and I think others did too. Is that a fair assessment, or in your research, do you not think that that's fair?
10: No, I I think that's fair. You know, I don't know if it's so much that Phil wanted to be liked by Tiger, but he wanted the world to know that he appreciated Tiger, that he understood what Tiger brought, and that he knew that Tiger was someone that was going to be very, very hard to beat and was sort of an impediment to his own career but yet always showed him great respect and talked about how much more money that helped him make. And he often sometimes wondered how would my career have been different? Had there been no tiger? Would I have won more? Maybe, but maybe I wouldn't have worked as hard because I knew that I had to work really hard to beat him. And that was going to be hard. Tiger was more dismissive. I mean, when he first turned pro, he had the blinders on and nobody was going to get close to him other than People who were much older. That's why he became good friends. And I talk about this a lot in the book with Mark O'Meara, 18 years older, John Cook. Those guys were like mentors to him and he did not see them as threats. Guys in his age group, no chance. Mm-hmm. And you know, Phil was four or five years older. He was already married. You know, he had a, a kid on the way a couple of years later, Tiger, young guy, probably immature, focused completely on golf. And, and, you know, they, after Tiger turned pro, they lived in different parts of the country. Tiger was somewhat dismissive of Phil. And I think for a time he didn't hold Phil in high regard because he felt that Phil was underachieving. Ah. And once Phil ah. started to get the hang of it with the majors and everything, Tiger grudgingly had respect for him. And yet he knew all along that Phil was a potential threat. Because he knew how good Phil was. Mm-hmm. He knew how great his short game was. He knew how far he hit it. He knew how popular he was, which I think might have bothered him a little at times. Tiger had the great record. Phil was more popular in a lot of places because he was the people's champ. Yep. You know, friendly, outgoing autographs. So <clears throat> yeah, there's there's a very unique dynamic there that played out between those guys for a couple of decades.
0: What's the relationship? Do you know? Does anybody know? I was I was kind of surprised, Bob. I got to tell you, I I think, unless, I, unless I'm wrong, I watched the Tiger press conference at Augusta. I was surprised that nobody asked him, unless I missed it, about Phil not being there and all the issues that Phil was going through. I would have bet a lot of money that somebody during those 30 minutes would have asked him about Phil. I don't think there was a question about Phil no. in the lot. What's the relationship? You know, Tiger talks about texting with all the guys a lot. He he mentions that, like when he had the accident, a lot of the guys were texting. It was great to text, and now it's great to see them again. Is is Phil one of those? Are they texting? Are they they texting buddies, Bob? You you wrote the book. Tell me the answer.
10: Tell us the answer. Well, first of all, full disclosure: that question should have been asked at the the Masters. Shouldn't have. I wish. no should have okay i wish I, I wish i would have asked it in retrospect and if i had it to do again i'd ask that because the question i asked i probably could have gone without asking maybe <laughs> okay. you know there was there was so much we we're trying to get at with him we needed a cu- we needed 3 hours my take on it is they are not texting right now look their relationship got better around after tiger's back issues before tiger won the masters you know they had that match in 2018 i do think it was more a relationship of convenience a relationship of commercial reasons they saw an opportunity there and they decided to collaborate <clears throat> for the for the betterment of their own pocketbooks mm-hmm. now in, in as part of that i think there some of their past differences mellowed but i think it changed again and it changed probably here lately when, you know, Tiger's on the side of the PJ tour on these rival leagues thing. And Phil obviously showed his hand and was very negative towards the tour. And while there might be some common ground there between them on, on what their gripes might be, I don't think Tiger would have ever gone so public with it. Whereas Phil did. And I don't think Tiger was offering any, uh, any solitude to fill here in these last couple of months. There have been many on-course duels, Bob, but here's the
0: part of the story that I think, from from a golf fan's perspective, that's all I am, is a golf fan. From a golf fan's perspective, there's one critical thing missing between these two guys. First of all, I read somewhere that they've played 38 times in PGA Tour events. Tiger had the lower score 19 times. Phil had the lower score 15 times and four times they had the same score. But I don't ever recall for as dominant and great as these two incredible golfers have been over the years. I don't remember a fourth round, a final round major championship duel. Have they ever been have they ever been paired in the final round of a major and if not uh, how is that possible that these two guys haven't been in the same round in the last I'm talking about the
10: last group of one of the four biggies. I'll take that a little farther. They've only been paired in any major. It's possible I missed one, but in any major five times, there was, there was sort of an obscure one in 97. They played the last round of a major together at the PJ championship. The Davis love won. They were way out of it. They, they, they both tied for like 30 nights. This isn't the final round, but a lot of people forget in the third round of the U S open in 99, that. Payne Stewart won. Tiger and Phil played in the second to last group. Didn't know. First time time they were ever in the same group of a major together where it mattered. The one that people forget that's hard to believe is in 2001, Tiger is going for the Tiger Slam to win a master's for the fourth straight time, or excuse me, a major for the fourth straight time at the master's. Phil was with them in the final group. Phil gave him everything he had for about 12 holes. <laughs> Imagine if Phil wins the masters and, and derails the oh, tiger slam oh, to win his first major. Oh, it would have been so epic yeah. looking back on it. Yeah. But he didn't. And I think the reason people forget is because Phil didn't finish second. David Duvall did. Oh. And in 09, they played together in the final round of the masters and they were four or five back to start the day. And they both went on a tear and it was, the place was going crazy. I mean, they made a run up the leaderboard. They both got within a shot or two of the lead. The leaders were an hour behind them Mm -hmm. and then Phil dumped it in the water at 12. And it kind of, the the whole thing just sort of dissipated. So, but you're right Right. that you're my long winded answer here, but your, your point is we were deprived of them playing together Final majors, group. final group, final group. Yep. It just didn't happen. Happened. And And it's really kind of bizarre because they actually contended in the same major a lot. Four of Phil's six wins. Tiger was there. Uh, the, the most notable is the 06 masters where Tiger dearly wanted to win that his dad was dying. His dad actually passed away in May of that year and Tiger was incredibly emotional afterward because he wanted to get that done for his dad. So not only does he not win, Phil wins. he finished his second. He had won the Masters the year before, and he had to put the jacket on Phil. Yeah, Tiger and Phil, golf's most fascinating rivalry. A couple of last
0: ones for you before you go. We've got to touch on the Mickelson controversy now mm-hmm. and, and, and the exile. You and I don't know each other well, so I'll tell you that I'm known around these parts as being a Phil hater, For 25 years. I've gotten more emails from the old radio show. And now the, what don't you like about Phil? What is it about Phil that drives you crazy? I have bashed Phil for a, a hundred years and made a career out of it. And now no one asks me that anymore. Why don't I like Phil? It's funny how that, funny how that's happened. But even having said that, this absence is a long time. Call me skeptical or cynical Mitch. There seems to be more going on than just the comments that he made about the tour and the PGA Tour and the apology that wasn't so great. There seems to be more going on. I had Damon on our podcast not long ago, and he kind of was vague and said something like, I just worry about Phil. We hear there's other stuff. This new book from Billy Walters is coming out. That may not be a good look for him. I just hope he's okay. You know, something like, I hope he's okay. Do you guys that are following the tour from week to week, get a sense that it's more than just about his remarks and offending a lot of people?
10: I I'm I'm of the opinion that it has to be because it was just words. That's it. You know, yeah. we, we all have words. We all say things. You mean there's all kinds of divergent opinions out there. People have said a lot of things that are bad. You know, and that doesn't keep them from playing golf. So, what more is there? Is it partly due to the fact that in his interview with Shipnock, he he disclosed that he was actually working with the Live Golf League, you know, the Saudi-backed league, to come up with a business plan. See, that could have been a non-starter for the PJ Tour. You know, that could have been something that just was so egregious to them. That they wanted nothing to do with them. I don't know that, but I I could surmise that. I mean, that's obviously pretty bad. He was, and then he admitted, you know, that he didn't mind using that as leverage against the tour. And so I could see why the tour would be upset. I understand why he had some of his reasoning, but I'm still kind of surprised at this point. Three time Masters winner didn't play the Masters. The reigning PGA championship winner, we are not sure if he's going to play the PGA. To me, that's crazy. No matter what he did or said, he's eligible for these tournaments based on what he's done. Do you think he could have played the Masters if he wanted to? Well, Fred Ridley, the Masters chairman,
0: said, we know he, said he said so.
10: We know what he said. Do we believe him? Well, the reason I believe him is this, is because he gave more detail. He said, we did not disinvite Phil. Okay, then he said, he texted me. You know, first of all, you texted him? Why didn't you call him? But anyway... He texted Fred Ridley to say he was not going to play. And Ridley disclosed to us, I wrote him back basically and said, I'm willing to talk about this if you want. In other words, he was open to a discussion. He wasn't shutting the door on Phil saying no. And so Phil uh, Ridley said that first text took place in early March. Phil did not officially pull out of the tournament until late March. So there was a couple of weeks in there where it was up in the air, at least, at least the way Ridley relayed it, and the fact that he gave us that detail makes me believe him. Well, it's a lot of drama, Bob. Good luck
0: with the book. You, I've been a fan of yours for a lot of years, from both afar and w- when you're together with me, on the show and on the radio show. I hope it. Uh, I hope it kicks ass. Do you think it's <laughs> in a? It's a good place. Do you like the fact that it's in and around the Mickelson book and the. Billy Walter's book, is that a good thing or a bad thing for your book? I don't, you know,
10: what is it? The, the high tide lifts all boats. Yes. I think there's something to be said for maybe people will want to compare and contrast, Yeah, you know, because yeah. my, my book is mostly positive towards these guys and it highlights some of their pettiness between them, but it also highlights their incredible records. You know, the, the, the biography is what it is. That's going to be the good and the bad you know, and there's, there's a lot of good in Phil that I'm sure is going to come out in there. A lot of great stories, you know, now there's probably going to be some negative ones. The Billy Walters book, I'm not guessing that's going to be too positive towards (laughs) Phil. Yeah. So the guy went to jail and in part
0: blames Phil Mickelson as one of the reasons he wouldn't
10: participate. He wouldn't testify. Right. He would not testify. And And look, you know, Phil paid back the money. He was named a relief defendant, which is sort of semantics or legalese for they weren't charging him with the crime, but they found him to be in some sort of trouble, basically, you know, and 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 at the time that whole thing came down, luckily for Phil, they weren't going after the recipient of of a stock tip. They were more concerned about the person giving the stock tip. Right, that's right. That has now changed again. If you gave me a stock tip illegally, they'd want to come after both of us. Yeah. Yeah. They'd go after you for getting it and they'd come after me for receiving it, especially if I Take made gains. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and, and look, Phil skated on that stuff publicly. You know, I, I hear to this day, all oh, you guys never hammered Phil on that. And I say, you know what? You're right. Part of it is due to the fact that he was named a relief defendant. He wasn't convicted of anything. wasn't even tried, and it's a complicated issue that's hard for a golf writer to get to the bottom of. Yeah. You know, you're talking about these, these legal issues. His side claimed that they did not know it was a a, a tip that was uh, that you know that was illegal. So,
0: and didn't the guy in Detroit want to go there? Didn't a the writer in Detroit go there right before Phil was coming to their golf tournament? And that whole thing blew up. That
10: was another gambling story. Another gambling story. That had to do with 20 years before when Phil, you know, allegedly got involved with some gambling figures who might've had mob tots. Oh, okay. And the issue there was, is Phil Phil and his group of people actually won a half million dollars, but they weren't paid. Well, good luck going after people for money when you're doing something illegally. Right. Right. So and, and, you know, so he admitted <laughs> right. to that his his issue was, is that all came up in a trial later. And, and you know, some public records have been released. And, you know, it was sort of like a weird thing like, to bring that up. It really had nothing to do with what's going on today. Bob, the, the guy has made on and off
0: the course 500 million bucks. You, you don't think he's having money problems, do you?
10: I don't know. But here's here's one thing that I've wondered. He might've made more than 500 million. Let's say he made seven hundred million. 700 million. Okay. But what if he only has a hundred million? Like it's possible that maybe in which of course the rest of us would say no big deal. Generational. wealth. we'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Right. But if, if you, if you had 700 and you only have a hundred, you might be wondering, well, why don't I have 700 and maybe you're trying to replace it. I don't know. Listen, a lot of the speculation centers around, you know, did he have gambling debts? Was he going after the Saudi money to be able to quickly get get out of that? We, you know, I don't know that I'm, I am, I'm a fan like anybody else. When it comes to that, it's just conjecture could be completely wrong. Is there some family issues? It's really hard to talk about stuff like that. I absolutely have no idea, but I mean, if he does and there's something personal going on, well then, you feel bad for ripping them about about something something else. Can he still go after the Saudi money? Well, here's the thing: there's a lot of speculation that he was paid already. Yes, and so now comes into play. My guess is is his comments broke some sort of a contract agreement he had with them because those guys were signed NDAs. They weren't they weren't supposed to discuss it. And what you have to remember about the Saudi thing, it's now, it's called the Live Golf Invitational Series now. They are not actually starting up a tour this year. They're just throwing out eight tournaments with a ton of money to play for, but you can play in as many or as few as you want. Right. Because of this whole backlash, they've put off the league for two years. What they were going to do was give guys huge signing bonuses just to come and play. Appearances. And then everything. Every week, there's no cut, so they get paid every week. Amazing. It was, it was going to be, and potentially can be, incredibly lucrative. These guys are then paid, you know, for their worth in in terms of they're bringing value, and we're getting paid whether we perform or not. But if we do perform, then we get paid a heck of a lot more. Correct. Bob Harrig, the brand new
0: book, and you can get it wherever books are sold, Amazon or wherever you go to buy your books. Fascinating. Tiger and Phil golf's most fascinating rivalry Bob Herrig has been in and around those two guys for a very long time Bob great to see you great to hear you let's talk again as the summer months roll along and major championships
10: come along okay sounds great Mitch I appreciate it thank you
0: well it's time for some humble pie Normally, Katie Versio, senior financial planner, Evergreen Golf Call is back with us. Hi Katie. Hi Mitch, thanks for having me. I'm ready to go better than 1 for 3. What's the theme this week? So the
8: theme today, it's a March market update. I'm sure you've seen there's been a lot of volatility in the market. I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast, The Evergreen Exchange. So that's a bi-weekly podcast that we put out that discusses investing, the economy, and financial planning topics. So for those those of your listeners that are interested in listening to that podcast you can find the evergreen exchange anywhere you listen
0: very good i love the evergreen exchange which means i'm going to do very well this week <laughs> question number 1 i'm ready
8: so inflation numbers for february were recently announced the highest rate of inflation since 1982 what was that percentage was it 6% 7% 8% or 9% oh
0: I think it's seven or eight. I'll go 7%. I'll go B.
8: That was actually 8%. So 7.9%. You were close. You're in the ballpark down. there. I <laughs> down. Yeah, so that's the highest number, almost 40 years. It's driven so much by commodity prices, the price of oil. We're all seeing that at the pump. So it's been gradually increasing for the last year or so. And, and these numbers are quite staggering. I'm 0
0: for 1. Question number two with Katie Versio.
8: Many market indexes like the NASDAQ as well as some European and Asian stocks are now in what's considered a bear market. So how much does the market have to be down for it to be considered a bear market? Is it down 15, 20, or 25%?
0: I'll say 15%, Katie.
8: Actually, 20%. So the NASDAQ is down about 20% now. And within that, about half of the names in that index are down about 50% from their one year highs. So there's been a huge pullback in that area. A lot of different companies are down. So it's been a a really volatile year.
0: I'm 0 for 2. I got one last shot, but I'm feeling good about question three. What do you got?
8: So during times of market volatility, I spend a lot of time coaching clients about importance of staying invested and remembering to buy low and sell high so there was a study done where if you if you invested ten thousand dollars into the S p 500 20 years ago that you would have returned about nine and a half percent annually. However, if you sold out and missed the 10 best days in the market, your return would have substantially suffered. Let's say you did that, you missed the 10 best days. What would your return have been annually? 5%, 6% or 7%? I'm
0: going to say I'm staying with a 5%.
8: That's right. You got that one. Yeah, so I think it's pretty staggering to see that if you would have just stayed invested, you would return about 9.5%. But if you missed the 20 best days of the year, you would have shrunk that return to 5%. So it really highlights the importance to stay invested and to stay with the strategy
0: and maybe even invest some more when it's down katie versio that's exactly right (laughs) we love katie versio evergreen golf call the evergreen exchange a bi-weekly podcast evergreen's been a great partner of mitch unfiltered and evergreen is everything wealth unfiltered
7: robinson dashes to the plate it's close umpire Summers falls him safe on the daring maneuver. But Yogi Berra doesn't think so. And the fans will never forget the sight of Jackie Robinson caring for the plate on his daring steal.
0: So last week, our annual celebration of the life of Jackie Robinson hit baseball stadiums around the nation with, of course, every ball player wearing the number 42. It's the only time 42 is ever worn. In Major League Baseball. Our next guest is a baseball fan. I know that about him. He's a terrific author. I know that about him. To go along with his books about Joe DiMaggio and Pete Rose is his newest work, True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. Here's Kostya Kennedy. How are you, Kostya? Thank you for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be on with you. So there have been a million biographies, and I know you're always asked this question, and you're smiling Mm -hmm. because you know exactly what's coming. (laughs) <laughs> on Jackie Robinson, including from his family. Uh, was there a need for another one? And what kind of a different look does Kostya Kennedy give his readers with his four seasons? I know you chronicle four in particular years, which I'll go over with you. What's the difference of this one versus the other
3: ones? I think we can, and we'll talk about that structure, I guess, but but the the way we're looking at him, seeing him at distinct periods in his life, which are metaphorically the spring, summer, autumn, and winter of his public athletic life. I think it allows you to look, get on the ground a little bit and really look at what's happening without necessarily having to go blow by blow through every bit. It's not meant to be a soup to nuts biography. Uh, so I'm hoping I'm bringing a little bit of a, a more precise look. Now, listen, it's been as you mentioned, there's been a lot of other things done And some things that I quite admire, and that are, I'm not saying anything against what's come before. I do think this is a little different. I also think that where we're sitting, you, me, everyone, uh, in 2022, is a little different from where we were sitting, uh, say, 15 years, 25 years ago, when, when the last sort of significant Robinson books came out. So you picked four years,
0: they are 1946, 1949. 1956 and 1972, they are obviously big-time years in his life, both on the field and off the field. Let's start with 46, because he broke into baseball in 46, professional baseball in 46. He was a great athlete, unquestionably. He wasn't a great baseball player just yet. And so this year was critical, and I'm glad that you chose this year because it was critical to him not only as a baseball player, but as someone that was going to now he and his wife take on something so much bigger and maybe personality wise, he wasn't ready for that costume.
3: You, you, you nailed it. I really think you did. And, and I appreciate that because that's kind of the intent. I, I do think that that has been an underreported year um, in his life and one that not enough sort of attention has been paid to. Just as you say, there he is in Montreal playing at a pretty high level baseball the top minor league and getting used to being the only black player in an all white league for a short period of time. He had a teammate, a black teammate for a few weeks, but most of that year getting used to that, getting used to all the difficulty that that, that entailed, all the responsibility that that implied. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just as you say for him, for Robinson living with his wife, Rachel in this new world of celebrity a new world of expectation, it was a tremendously important year for them. Uh, and as you also say, tremendously important year for him as a baseball player. He'd only played 45 games with the Monarchs. He, didn't even, he only played briefly at UCLA. As great of an athlete as he was, he was still throwing to the wrong base. He was still making some mistakes. And this was a crucial year for him to get ready for what was to come in 47 and the years that followed.
0: Okay, so 49 is the next year that you chronicle, which is his MVP year. But let me get this straight. He plays two years before that of big league baseball. But he's a different player because he's just taken all the grief. He's just taken all the punishment. I I think he was hit by a pitch more than any other baseball in those two years leading to 49. And 49 kind of, I think I heard you say in an an earlier interview, the gloves come off. And he just decides, you know screw all of this, I'm now going to come at them in the aggressive nature that everyone in many years after would would know him by.
3: Yeah, exactly. So his first two years, he kind of turns the other chief, just as you said, which was difficult for any player to do or any human being to do in the face of being hit by pitches and all that, but particularly for Robinson, who when he did play in the Negro Leagues, was sort of known as, as a teammate said, he's up to his neck in every game. Uh, He was a very involved, aggressive player, showed his temper. And to become that player in 1949, it's no accident that that's the year he went from being a very good player to being the best player in baseball. And from 49 and a couple of years that followed, that's when he had just all-time Hall of Fame caliber years. Great statistically and so captivating for fans to see and take part in.
0: Go back to 1945 before we... We move forward. We'll move back. Let's take a couple steps backwards to that court martial, that incident on the bus, not entirely dissimilar to the Rosa Parks incident. He uh, he refused to give up his seat on a, I think an army-based bus, and he had to go through the process of defending that. How important of an incident in his life? In ter- you you again in an, in an interview described him as a rules follower. You think he was a rules follower, which is kind of an interesting way to describe a guy like this who
3: broke all the rules in a good way. Uh, So in that year, everything you said is is right on, would go to the back of the bus, ended up, the bus driver goes to the next stop, refuses to go on, called the police. He ends up getting a court martial for insubordination, uh, which was ended up being completely dismissed. When I say the rules follower, Robinson was acutely aware that segregation was not legal on an army base in those days. He knew he was in the right. He knew he did not have to get up. Mm-hmm. If he did have to get up, if the law said that he had to get up, he would not have been happy about it. He wouldn't have said, sure, sure. But he would have done it. I think that he he worked within the system. That's when you That's pretty consistent throughout his career. He pushed against the system, and he tried to thrive within it, but he wasn't really a rule breaker in that sense. And that's, it's not something we initially think of with somebody who's as disruptive as, as Jackie Robinson was. Right,
0: right. Especially uh, when you underscore it with the way he played the game, his approach to the game. Yeah. He had such a fire uh, on the field. And we'll get back to his personality in a minute. So what kind of a player? You Let's, let's fast forward to 1956. That's his last year of playing. What kind of a player was he by that time? By that time, cost you.
3: So he was still, and, and and that's the year I chose again the figurative autumn of his of his public life. Fifty five to take a quick step back, a huge year for Dodger fans and in baseball history. That's the one year Brooklyn beat the Yankees in the World Series. Really a tough year though for Jackie. Nineteen fifty five, he really struggled. His worst year the pro, and at fifty six he kind of came back in a sort of valiant resurgent, Not much like he was in his prime, but to be a very productive player without whom the Dodgers were not going to the World Series. He became much more intelligent deciding what to do when. A, a classic example is simply in 1949, he stole 37 bases. He was caught 16 times and stealing like that with that volume was part of the idea. It was okay. He usually got caught in time that didn't hurt the Dodgers. Later in his career in 1956, three caught stealing, right? He's much more judicious about when he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some moments in big games late in the year, the headlines would be, you know, Robinson turns back the clock. He was still in short spurts and short bursts, a very effective, very effective player. Did,
0: did he know before that season started, it was going to be his last year or did he make that decision in retrospect after accomplishing what he did in 56?
3: So it was a, a little bit of both. I think that he, he, Robinson aware that his body was, was taking a beating, right. You know, he started kind of late because of segregation, partly because of the war, but the main thing being segregation, he was aware that his time was coming to, to an end. I don't know whether on April 1st of 1956, he knew for sure, but he was certainly thinking about it. And part of why he did choose to retire. And and by the way, he, he never looked back. Sometimes you hear athletes sort of, have a hard time with retirement. Robinson did not. He moved on to his next life pretty, pretty cleanly. But he he got a really good job. He got a job that paid just as well as what he had been making. Uh, the vice president shot full of Nuts. Uh, and then he saw where he was. He liked going out on somewhat of a high note. Uh, so I think that the opportunity was there and he was yeah. thinking about it, but it wasn't decided till quite the end. I think the
0: next part of his life as it relates to baseball is very important. I think it's been well chronicled. Maybe there are people in our audience that don't know about this estrangement after he left baseball as a player between Robinson and Major League Baseball. 1962, he's inducted in the Hall of Fame. But many, like myself, would say, how in the world, you?" can Major League Baseball allow the relationship with arguably its most important figure of all time, how could they let that relationship fray, that period yeah. where it wasn't so good between baseball and Jackie Robinson?
3: No question. And I, um, uh, you know, honestly, some of the details of it were, were new to me Doing as uh, somebody who, who knew a lot about Robinson coming in. So I think it was sort of one thing led to another. He initially, upon his retirement, we talked about, Just now, yes, is he going to retire? What was he going to do? He was really interested in having a managerial job. That didn't happen. No coaching job or anything. Went on to his next gig. And at the time in those years, immediately afterwards, he wasn't offered any kind of a job working for the league, working for a team, in a front office role, in any number of places. And it began to bother him. And not only that he wasn't getting jobs, but there were also essentially no African-American representation in those channels of baseball. So as time went on, he became more and more disillusioned by what was happening in baseball. I think uh, from the baseball standpoint, there's no evidence that they were saying, let's not give Jackie a job. But there, nonetheless, there was hesitancy. He was a loud voice. He was talking loudly about civil rights. He was involved with Dr. King at that point. He had a column in newspapers. He had worked for the NAACP. All of those things, that made some teams a little shy, made made the league a little shy in a way that they clearly shouldn't have been. And it was a, a, a missed opportunity for the league and for, for Robinson. Was he rancorous enough? Was he rancorous enough?
0: W- was, he, uh, was, he, was he in their face enough? Or, I mean, you described him as somebody who was a rules follower in certain extents, or did he just kind of accept what was being thrown at him. I mean, if we had somebody that was a little more tempestuous at the time, I was going to ask you whether his personality was a perfect match mm-hmm. for what he was trying to accomplish. I'm sorry if I'm not articulating the question. I'm just I'm trying to understand whether if he were a little bit more in the faces of these people at that time, whether more significant change could have happened.
3: You know, it, it, it's actually an, an excellent question. I think it's a very fair and good question. He was... He was an agitator, not necessarily for himself. Initially, he campaigned for the managerial job, as I said, but as time went on, he did he did agitate. He was very public about criticizing the Yankees for not uh, integrating soon enough. He actually started doing that in 56 when he was still playing. Uh, when Pumpsey Green uh, was finally brought up to the Red Sox, the last team to integrate, Robinson wrote a column about it, took it up publicly. He was pretty pretty active about it. Um, You you know, use a good term. Like if somebody had been a little more butt kicking or so in their, in their approach, maybe something would have, would have happened differently, but he wasn't, he didn't give up on it. He was pretty insistent, but he was also Mitch. He would, as I said, he was working with Dr. King. He had public disagreements with Malcolm X. He was working with Ralph Abernathy. He would engage in the struggle, not just in baseball. So it, it wasn't his singular focus to integrate baseball at halftime. But, you know, he stopped coming to old-timers game. And then they just stopped inviting him because he was always going to say no. And that was a form of protest that was noticed every year. And those right. days, old-timer days were, were a big deal. So he dies in 1972.
0: And that's the final year that you kind of take a magnifying glass to in your brand-new book about Jackie Robinson, 1972 which is an important year in a couple of ways, as I understand it from your book. Number one, we should say that in 62, he goes in the Hall of Fame. I think I mentioned that. There's this kind of this tough relationship between him and Major League Baseball. And then in 1972, Gil Hodges dies. And something happens.
3: Yeah, so uh, Hodges died early on in that year. Also, obviously, very young. He was not yet 50 years old. And Robinson went to that funeral where they're kind of a celebrity funeral in many ways. And Howard Cosell was there with the TV cameras, but so were a lot of his Dodger old Dodger teammates, some of whom he had not seen in some time. And this was as a time for Robinson, when he had lost Jackie jr, his son less than a year before. And he began to sort of make this connection again, specifically with Don Newcomb, who did at that point have a job for the Dodgers. He was one of the very few African-American. Now again, we're talking about 1972. So 15 years after Jackie's retirement and Newcomb kind of engaged him as did a few others and said, Hey, can we make something work? You want to come out? Uh, Jackie was a little resistant, but he went out after that meeting at the Hodges funeral and engaged with Peter O'Malley, the son of Walter O'Malley, who is now running the Dodgers and they worked out sort of a repatriation into the game where he went to an event and spoke on the field and met with O'Malley and, and and all that and then towards the end of his life he spoke on the field at the World Series in that 1972 year just shortly before his death so it was it was a crucial year in that he came back to baseball which in many ways was where he always belonged so how old was he when he died he was only 53 wow. and it, it, if you we're we'll talking a little bit about the time of everything, we're talking about his like, but also I just want to point out when he broke in in Montreal in 1946, Martin Luther King was was 18 years old and had never given a public. Nobody knew who Martin Luther King was, right? Yeah. He'd never yeah. given a public sermon. Yeah. By the time Jackie retires in 1956, we're well into the Montgomery bus boycott. So if you think about what those 10, 11 years were in American history in the modern, modern civil rights movement, obviously the, Struggle for civil rights goes back to the 1600s. But in what we know is the modern civil rights movement, Jackie was was involved. And it's it's just really interesting to see the different what happened in that time. Let me ask you the most
0: impossible question that you've been asked in promoting your brand new book. He died at 53. We all know what's happened in the 70s and 80s in terms of the assimilation. What do you think would have become of him? In major, in his relationship with Major League Baseball, would he have become a uh, a manager? Would he have become a GM? Would he have become an owner, a part owner in a in a major? What if he had lived to his seventies or eighties? What would have been the relationship between? It's
3: a good good question. You know, obviously the answer is we don't know, but I think that he was open to getting back into the game. I think we would have seen him in the game exactly in what role is hard to say, you know, as he got further away from the game, he stopped really paying attention to baseball. I mean, Uh he knew his guys, but he wasn't following it. He didn't. So I don't think we would have necessarily seen him in a manager's role or baseball decision-making role, but I think we would have seen him in with baseball, that groundwork was being laid and he always felt getting back to what we were talking about earlier, that he could work, do his best, most impactful work within a system. And I think he would have wanted to be on the inside as long as he was satisfied that there'd been some progress, which at that point we were seeing at least a little bit. Frank Robinson became the first black manager in 75. Yes. I think we would have seen him in the game. And I think we would have seen him uh, at events and we would have seen him agitating for for things. And it might have have had an impact, a further impact that we'd still be feeling today.
0: You've seen all the movies, you've seen the books, but you haven't read this one. You haven't read the new one. It's called True, the Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. His uh, earlier work on Pete Rose and Joe DiMaggio. His name is Kostya Kennedy. You can get True, the Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson everywhere where you can find books. Amazon, wherever it is, Barnes & Noble, and and, and read about four of the significant years uh, that represent Jackie Robinson's life both on and off the field. Kasia, Great to have you on, Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for doing it. Let's talk baseball again sometime down the road.
3: Anytime. I'd love to do it. Great to be on with you. Time for a visit
0: with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. It's springtime at
5: Zeke's. How you doing over there, Dan? Yeah. Hey, Mitch. Yeah, springtime's fun because our patios are opening up, and so – It's always fun to drink beer and eat pizza on a nice patio on a nice day. And so there's more of that going on all the time. And it's fun. Would you say that most of your locations have outdoor seating? Not most of our locations, but certainly most of our full service restaurants, which we call pizza pubs. So, you know, if you're going to a Zeke's that's got a full bar, spirits, craft beer, all that stuff, there's likely to be outdoor seating. And you guys continue to grow like a weed. We've
0: talked about Spokane a little bit. We haven't (laughs) spoken of Mill Creek White Center coming soon, and and a couple of more. Tell us about those.
5: Yeah, Spokane opened. We talked about that a little bit. Mill Creek opened and is doing well. White Center's coming up really soon. And then beyond that, we've actually got three more that are reasonably close. We've got Seward Park, Renton, and Duvall in that order. And, you know, more deals coming all the time. And... You're hearing from Mitch Unfiltered listeners I'm hearing through the grapevine? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. We, we've we actually got a couple of leads, no deals closed yet, but specifically that came from Mitch Unfiltered oh, wow. and heard about us there, which is obviously a huge stoker, but I'm a little bit worried that my invoices <laughs> are going to go up now.
0: They are going to go up. They are going to go up. <laughs> All right, I, th- I think that I've decided... When I don't go with original cheese, like my mom's favorite, Cherry Bomb is my fave on the Zeke's Pizza menu. Where is it in in the in the pecking order?
5: Well, first, we still got to get your mom up here sometime and cut it into squares <laughs> for her like she's used to it. Is it Camillie's? You or? got it, Camillie's. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, in Florida. But you're not alone on the Cherry Bomb. It's definitely one of my favorites, and it's outside of cheese and pepperoni, probably the most popular one and it's certainly the one people talk about the most so yeah cherry bomb is cannot go wrong with that one
0: what are you drinking these days from zeke's
5: yeah this time of year i kind of transition you know we order a lot for delivery and i i use zeke's for my grocery store for beer we have better beer than you can get (laughs) at the grocery store so when i order i just i order enough for the next couple weeks and stuff that i can throw in the cooler and stuff like that
0: i'm really excited for you guys you've been a great partner back in the radio days and now with unfiltered zeke's pizza homegrown in the
5: northwest
3: unfiltered
0: episode 188
1: hot shot scott this is what we call the other stuff section. Chicago Bears wide receiver Byron Pringle. I don't know if you know him. I, I the name didn't sound familiar to me. He was arrested Saturday in Florida after police say they busted him doing donuts in his sports car on a suspended license with a child in the car. And cops say that Pringle was uncooperative, uh, becoming verbally confrontational with them wow. during the stop. Yeah, he was pulled over by Florida Highway Patrol in his orange 2016 Dodge Challenger SRT uh, Hellcat. Uh, Different motors. I wish I had the Hellcat. <laughs> Around 6 p.m. in Pasco County, Florida, after an okay. uh, officer says witnesses saw the car burning rubber and do, doing donuts. So those Hellcats are getting people in trouble. They are so, so powerful.
0: I think he was. I don't think he's played with the Bears yet. Okay. I believe he's played with the Kansas City Chiefs up until now. He's 28 you hate years to hear old. about donuts with a, with a kid in the car. Well,
1: that's a suspended license and a kid in the car. But when you say donuts, yeah.
0: I think of Marshawn Lynch doing donuts. No, no, he, Oh, in the Zamboni?
1: Well, I haven't gotten to the Zamboni. Oh, he wasn't doing donuts at Cal.
0: He was just in driving a golf around. cart? No, you, you could do donuts?
1: You couldn't do a donut on that thing. Okay. There's no power. Okay, how about in the Zamboni? With that the Zamboni. you could do a donut now, in. You know he's one of the... <laughs> <laughs> Marshawn Lynch is one of the owners of the freaking
0: Seattle Kraken!
1: Someone's living their best life. Come on! I mean, it's, it's so good to be Marshawn Lynch. My God, it? that guy! I know, good for him. Yeah, he was doing donuts in the Zamboni. But yeah, those Hellcats are... I mean, 751 horsepower and you got a kid in the back, and you're driving recklessly. Come Ridiculous. on, man. Come on. Let's go. Ridiculous. Yeah.
0: If I had said to you when he was driving the golf cart around Berkeley Stadium <laughs> yeah. after they
1: beat Washington. Which I loved, by the way.
0: If I had said, do you see that guy right there? Yeah. He's going to be the owner of the Seattle Kraken someday. <laughs> He's going to own a hockey team <laughs> one day?
1: I know. God, crazy. <laughs> That's so Good funny. for him, though, man. All right, where do I go? Uh,
0: Mariners winning. We got that. They're pitching a lot. They're hitting a tiny but at least three or four guys are hitting. yeah, it's like five guys not hitting. I'm I'm concerned about Jared Kounnick. I'll just say that. I know there's a lot of people who are. this is not like some revelation. I'm not being kind of unique here. Yeah there was a moment in Sunday's game extra innings. guy on third one out, all he needed was a pop fly or hit the ball hard somewhere. He could have been the hero of the game, he struck out.
1: Yeah, he's not seeing strikes, man. He's swinging at he's stuff looking, at his eye level. Yeah. And then how about yeah. the bat before when he's got something in his eye? Yeah, something like, in his eye. The poor guy, he can't catch a break, this no. guy. He's got something. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and, and then he strikes out looking, or no, it was a check swing strikeout, and he looks just bewildered, like, oh, the I'll poor gra- guy. I'll
0: graduate to Debo Samuel. Okay. How knowledgeable about Debo Samuel are you?
1: Somebody sent me this but I, I wasn't sure if it was legit. What'd they send you? He had a, he posted a, a text conversation that he had.
0: Oh, I don't know anything about that. Oh, okay. Go tell, ahead. You want to tell me that well, I, I'm just I talking about true. that. He has told somebody that he wants out of San Francisco. Okay. And I was, I was wondering how, how aware of Debo Samuel are you? I think we all as NFL fans, we know who he is. Yeah. He's the versatile wide receiver. Does it all for the 49ers. Yeah. He's in the exact same situation as DK Metcalf in terms of contract. Mm. They each have one year left, Okay. and then they're free agents, like A.J. Brown in Tennessee as well. He's also represented by the same agent as DK Metcalf. Oh, okay. So he stands to make a lot of money either right now or soon. Yeah. And he wants out of San Francisco, but I I was looking at what he accomplished last year, and yeah. I think while everybody knows how good he was, yeah. I think I need to read this to you. Okay. I'm not sure that all of us actually understand yeah. the kind of season that this guy had playing wide receiver. Okay, 77 catches, 1405 yards Ooh. with lousy quarterbacks. Right, that's a big one. Yeah, he wasn't. He, he didn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing. Correct. He had Jimmy G and Trey L. Okay, yeah. 77 catches, 1405. That's an 18.2 yards per catch. Wow, that would rank number one in the NFL. Better than the Cheetah, better than Devontae Adams, whoever your greatest wide better than DK, better than whoever the best wide receiver is, he had the best yards per catch, catching balls from guys that stink.
1: Right. Okay. (laughs) That's
0: true. He didn't carry the ball as a running back ten times like certain wide like end arounds, wide receivers coming around once a game or once every other game. He carried the ball 60 times. Wow. And he didn't carry him on the end of rounds. He carried him as lining up in the backfield as a running back and carrying the ball.
1: Between the tackles. He's yeah, between the them. tackles, yeah. yeah.
0: 59 carries, 365, 6.2 yards a carry, 6.2 <laughs> yards. So he led the league in yards per catch from yeah. crappy quarterbacks. And he carried the ball at 6.2 yards. Had, that had
1: to have led the league, if, if you're looking at running backs, I'm guessing.
0: He had like eight touchdowns as a running back. Wow. And another, whatever, six or seven as a receiver. There were three first-team all-pro wide receivers. Only three in all of the NFL. Three first, Three guys can say we were first-team all-pros. Their names are Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, yeah. Debo Samuel. Impressive. Pretty good. Pretty good, right? definitely. Pretty, pretty good. So, Doesn't suck to be his agent. No. (laughs)
1: Someone's getting paid.
0: So he's getting paid. DK Metcalf's getting paid. AJ Brown's getting paid. All these wide receivers are going to get $25, $27, $30
1: million a year. I think I saw that his cousin accidentally sent out a picture of Debo at the Jets training facility. Oh, really? Yeah, he wasn't supposed to. So I, I read that. But then there was some weird exchange, I think, between him and Jamal Adams. And he said, I carried the entire team to the playoffs. Or, and then he deleted it. And I don't think he meant to tweet. Anyway, so that'll come out later, I'm guessing, yeah. for the next few shows. You can read about Debo. I just, yeah. Now, I, he's I, impressive. That's Well, at least
0: last year, a little bit injury prone. And you can understand why. The guys, they're lining him right. up as a running back. <laughs> right. For God's sakes. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but and he, apparently he doesn't want to do that anymore.
1: He doesn't want to run the ball. He
0: wants to be a wide receiver. He wants to prolong his career. Maybe not, not the yeah. worst move in yeah. the world. And why? And running backs
1: don't get paid. Wide receivers do. That's so, right, exactly. I don't, I don't think I want to hang with you fellas <laughs> nah, Don't let me in with you turds. I'm out. All right, amazing news from Aaliyah Gales' father. I don't know if you've been following the story of Aaliyah Gales. No. So she's the, she was the number or is the number eight ranked high school player in the 2022 class who signed with USC. Her dad says she will return to basketball and play for the Trojans despite being shot multiple times last weekend. Oh, yeah, I saw that a girl. uh, Yes, I saw someone (sighs) shot. Yes. Four people. She's okay. Yeah, four people, including the 18-year-old, were shot when someone opened fire at a North Las Vegas house party on April 16th. Her dad, Dwight, said his daughter went to the party to accompany a friend, stayed for about 30 minutes or so, decided to leave, and that's when the shooting happened. A
0: house party in North Las Vegas, call me... Brushing with a broad stroke. <laughs> right.
1: Go Out. ahead. Call me. I don't know that anything yeah. good
0: happens at a house party no. in North
1: Las Vegas. I'm kind of with you. She was hit a total of 10 times in both what? arms and legs. What? And had her third surgery of the and week. And she's coming back. He says that uh, Leah's expected to make a full recovery and is still planning to I play mean. for the USC women's basketball team. Incred- I mean, 10 times. If one of those bullets, God forbid, goes ahead, I or I know, mean, no, I know. It's unreal that she was shot 10 times and not only is alive, but then may play basketball again. So Mm. good for her. Surprising news
0: from the world of college basketball this past week. Hot shot, Scott. Okay. The, uh, what do you call a guy who was immaculately dressed? Isn't there a word? The, what do you immaculately dressed? Yeah. I I, 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 I like it. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a word. There's a, there's an expression for somebody who's Natalie attired. Okay. Dapper or dapper. Okay. Right. The best dressing coach in all of college basketball, yeah. is retiring unexpectedly as the head coach of Villanova. Jay Wright, oh, can you picture him? Yeah, yeah. Tall, yeah. handsome, the oh, cold, sure. the, yeah. the suits, the, the $3,000 suit, whatever. <laughs> 60 years old, two national championships, yeah. four Final Fours, Hall of Fame in 2021, 21 seasons at Villanova, seasons before that at Hofstra, fifth highest paid coach in all of college basketball and the rumors are i find this interesting the rumors are that he's just at wit's end. He, he just doesn't want to coach in the nil era
1: oh interesting. he just doesn't want to go there i wondered if that was going to have an effect on some of these older cats that's the rumor he hasn't said that okay
0: and by virtue of him saying no to the the nba would love to
1: get him there are lots of teams
0: that would love to bring him to the nba sure. and he has said no to them which makes you think that maybe those reports are untrue because he doesn't have to deal with NIL and the NBA. Right. Maybe he just doesn't want to coach NBA. But the rumor has been that he is kind of fed up with having to compete at Villanova sure. with guys with alum at Kentucky and Duke and whatever, right. paying guys hundreds and hundreds of thousands to come. It's it's hard enough to recruit somebody to Villanova. I'm not dealing with all that. I'm 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 huh. I'm getting out while I can. Yeah, I'm just getting out.
1: So I was that's wondering. That's interesting. I wonder if we're going to see any more coaches say, I just, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm not built for this. I'm not Well, wired there's one for that this. should
0: do that in upstate New York, should have done it a long time ago, but we won't go there. <laughs>
1: okay. And there's actually a funny, there's
0: just a funny, like, Twitter release. I see the guy in upstate New York yeah. released a statement, like, just want to wish Jay all the very best. He was so great at what he did for all these years. Yeah, yeah. we had great robberies. Okay. There's something wrong with the 95-year-old guy saying that about the 60-year-old guy. (laughs) Shouldn't it be the other way around? (laughs) That's
1: true, yeah. Sorry, I digress. It wasn't on my notes to talk about Fair enough. (laughs) All right, do you have the Mike Tyson thing on your- I do, I do, so go ahead. What about Von Miller? You have Von Miller? I don't have Von Miller, but I have Mike Tyson in the airplane
0: beating the hell out of somebody, or trying to beat the hell out of the guy. The guy behind him was taunting him on video, and it, it, we we see all the videos of him just trying. He was trying to get Mike Tyson. He wanted Mike Tyson
1: to hit him. He really did, didn't he? Was he the most annoying human on the planet? The, mo- the most annoying human on the planet. Crazy. Yes. And, and so Tyson Tyson says that he eventually threw a water bottle at, at, and hit yes. Mike Tyson, which is kind of what made him snap. Yes. And again, you can't go through life. You can't walk this earth and... Beat people up whenever you feel like it. I'm, I'm yes. with you. Yes, you can. But for some reason, <laughs> <laughs> this guy I was like, God, he kind of deserved it. Kind of deserved it. Watch the video. He was totally standing up over his seat. Yeah.
0: You know, tormenting him and yelling at him right in his ear. And
1: I know. I he know.
0: totally wanted this. He was saying to the camera, I, wa- I want him. And then when he got hit, he had a little blood. He was
1: so happy. Yeah. Loved it. I mean, did you see it? So at the end, cops added, though, that after one of the people was treated for non-life threatening injuries, we know who that person was. The guy provided minimal details of the incident, and he didn't want to cooperate further with the police. Turns out, not. turns out this guy Melvin, it's not his first encounter with the cops. He's been convicted Shocker. of fraud, grand theft, burglary, <laughs> possession of controlled Shocker. substances, and trafficking in stolen property. It's not surprising Shocker. he wanted to just kind of move on from the whole police thing, but mm. God, what a crazy video. Mm. By the way, last guy still on earth you would want to lean over a seat and start dropping bombs on your face is, I mean... You see how quick those little punches were that Mike was doing? I mean, God, that scares me. To, to Mike Tyson's
0: credit, I think people need to hear this because maybe they don't follow it like we do. Okay. The guy is the guy is not reactive. I mean, do you remember the, the scene just a couple That's weeks right. ago in the comedy club where yep. the guy pulled a gun on him and was trying to get him to fight him? And he sits there. He takes it. He does. He He, he is not like a... A quick-tempered guy, quick-trigger guy. He just sits there and takes it. He under, almost like I understand that this is what my life has become, and he like embraced the guy with the the gun in his hand. Yeah,
1: he knows that if he honestly starts punching someone in the face, he's going to kill them. He he
0: just, he just sits back and takes it, and he was taking it in the plane. He was, yeah, for like minutes, he was taking it. So finally, I guess a, a water bottle, he got up and he punched the shit out of
1: him. That incident that you speak of, that yes. might not, that's gonna work in his favor if it does end up in court. I can't imagine this guy it's not gonna end in yeah. court. Doesn't I,
0: this guy have to cooperate for anything? He it's well, clear that he wanted to do to, to do
1: this. He didn't cooperate at first, but he has lawyered up. Why? So I, we'll, I, I Based don't know. on what what? Getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson. I mean, Did I don't you know. see what he was doing? Yeah, I did, yes. I did. Oh my god. I know. He was awful that guy. So the Von Miller thing is kind of ugly. I'll just tell you that he's being sued by a woman in Los Angeles who claims he was consumed by rage and jealousy and distributed a sexually explicit photo of her to two well-known celebrities in May of 2020. So the term for that now is called revenge porn. Okay. He and this woman were dating in 2020. They allegedly took personal and private photos together. Yes. During one of the private intimate acts, there was a picture taken, which is why people do that. I'll never. Have you seen the picture? Uh, she no. It's I don't think it's out there. She filed under Jane Doe, so yeah. I'd be very surprised if that was out there. But um, so with the understanding that picture would never be shared, of course, it's for the two of them. So I guess he got mad at her. She was with a new guy, and he sent the picture to that guy and said, "Quote: Is this the bitch that you you want? You can have her, dog." Sent it to this two, is Von Miller. Von Miller sent it to two. Why is different he getting people. involved in all this? He's yeah. Von Miller. I I know. I know. How's he doing? I know walk yeah. away I'm, I'm with you so jesus it's it's pretty bad so professional ad, so the, the lawyer for her says that he wants yeah he wants people to be aware like it's a cautionary tale that you know professional athletes aren't exempt from the law as well and that miller's right. vindictive manipulative and unlawful actions must not be overlooked so we'll see where this. all right goes. i got two or
0: three i'll just throw at you real quick there's not a lot of i, I don't have a lot to say about him, but i do want to bring them up number one i'm feeling guilty i'm just going to say this are you watching any of the NBA playoffs? Some. Any? I'm oh, you are? A little bit. I am watching none of it. Oh, really? Okay. And and yet I feel guilty about it because I'm reading about how all these exciting final finishes and yeah. individual performances and there's been some good games and some interesting stories. I, you know, I, I got to have a horse in the race. Well,
1: you're looking at in a the Sonics NBA. fan, man. I mean, come on. In the
0: NBA, I gotta have. I don't need a horse in the race in college basketball. I didn't have Syracuse in there. Sure. And yet, I watched everything I could watch for the <laughs> right. NCAA tournament.
1: I don't need a horse
0: in the race in the NFL.
1: Yeah, kind of do. I don't it's need more a, fun, but you don't need it. Yeah.
0: I do need a horse in the race in Major League Baseball for the ba- baseball players, but I watch it. But in the NBA, I I don't know. I just, Was it always that way? with I'm you? more likely to watch like the show with Shaquille O'Neal and Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Yeah. Like, I'm the guy who watches just for the halftime show, and then when the game starts, I turn it off again. (laughs) What is this nonsense? This basketball playing. So I'll say that. Um, Earl's coming back. Earl Thomas wants to come back. Really? I didn't see that. 33 years old. He says, I'm ready. I'm coming back. And it just made me feel old because when Earl Thomas was drafted by the Seahawks out of Texas, he was a really, really young, junior-eligible player. I think he was 20. 19 maybe. Oh, was he really? Wow. Maybe. Okay can check me on that. Yeah, yeah. So now he's 33 years old. He wants to come back. Oh. And poor Earl Thomas has had, and I, I say poor, poor Earl Thomas, I guess he's brought some of, a lot of controversies right from the finger oh, to yeah. the thing with the, the girls and the brother. That's and the right. Thing. I forgot about
1: that story. Yeah. There's
0: been a lot of, God, he was once the, 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 the beloved Earl Thomas. So he wants to play again. So I'll bring that up.
1: But, um, but didn't didn't players on the Ravens say, "Look, if if, yeah, if he
0: comes back, I don't want to come back." Yeah, people they, did not like. There was it. a mutiny no. against him, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah. Okay, led by Kyle Seager.
1: Um, <laughs> right. Tune into Talk tomorrow; he'll yeah, tell you all about yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Um, what else I want to say? Oh, 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 oh! I've got to. We've got to talk. In fact, I want to do this as a segment. Have you seen the video of the junior college pitcher, the JUCO pitcher?
1: Yes. Yeah. Baseball, right? Is it on your list? Yes. No, I've actually well, forgot Juco it.
0: College pitcher would be baseball. Yes. Well,
1: it could have been softball. Oh yeah, it could have been.
0: Yeah. Softball. Okay, smart. Yeah, it ass, doesn't yeah. have. This doesn't happen with the the women. I don't think this happens with the women.
1: I don't think it does either.
0: Josh Phillips, North Central Texas College is up at bat. He's facing a Weatherford College pitcher by the name of Owen Woodward. Owen Woodward delivers the, the the pitch. He hits it for a home run. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was taunting him as he was rounding the bases. I don't know exactly what he was doing, but he was taunting the pitcher as he rounded the bases. Okay, That didn't sit well with Weatherford College pitcher Owen Woodward. He was none too pleased? None too pleased. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he threw down his glove, and as the runner rounded third... Not even looking. Yeah, he came charging at him at full speed from the pitcher's mound. He delivers a blow. I think the Seahawks should draft him on on Thursday or Friday. It was a hell of a hit. It was one of the greatest. T- it's a, <laughs> it's the greatest football hit on a baseball field you
1: have ever seen. You might be right. It's a, just a full fledged. He uncoiled on him. Yeah,
0: just a sprint and never never slow down and just just slam him. Yeah. Now I hate to like glamorize it, but it was it was fabulous. Great hit! Um, it was a great hit. He's no longer on the team. Oh really? Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, well, he was suspended. He was uh, thrown off. He was suspended for a few games by the by the by the the conference. The team now says he's no longer even on the team. I don't even think he's in school anymore. Ugh. The bench is cleared. They did, the yeah. game was called. The game didn't even finish. Yeah. But if you have not seen the video, if you've not seen the video of this. You owe it to yourself to see the video. I don't know what the guy, again, I don't know what the guy was doing. And same thing as the Tyson thing, whatever he was doing, obviously you can't throw your glove down and rush the guy full speed and just deck him.
1: Sticks and stones.
0: But it was a hell of a hit.
1: Was it the best hit of the weekend? Or what about the one in uh, in the, the NBA game? With well, the security guard at the Timberwolves, oh. you see that video as well. Well, that that wasn't the hit. I mean, no,
0: it's not, but it was pretty impressive. It was incredible. She would. <laughs> I've seen some close-ups of that now. Oh yeah. Yeah, where the the security guard is sitting there staring at, just like waiting for it to happen. Something didn't look
1: right to him. No yeah, anticipation.
0: Yeah, yeah. The anticipation.
1: Yeah. The uh, oh yeah, it was great. What's going on at Timberwolves games? Because I had a story about a woman. It's happening all herself. over the NBA. It's oh, happening it's happening all it over. The, yeah, these, okay.
0: there's a lot of protesters. I don't know what they're. Pro, I don't know exactly what they're protesting. I'm not sure either. I'm trying but to. But yeah, somebody that
1: glued themselves
0: to the yeah, floor of an yeah. earlier game. Yeah. 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 Of course, I didn't see any of this because I'm not watching the NBA playoffs.
1: That's so. right. Speaking of guys named Owen. 44-year-old Owen was looking for someone to share his house with, so he typed up a list of requirements, printed it out and posted around his town in the hopes of finding a single lady between the ages of 18 and 25 who'd be happy to cook and clean. Did you see this ad? No. He put it up looking for a roommate? No. If that's not weird enough, Owen only has a one-bedroom flat, so the lucky woman would also have to share the room with him. (laughs) Drugs, pets, and alcohol were not permitted in his home, and the woman isn't allowed to bring any male friends back. There's only there's also a rule whereby no doors are allowed to be locked at any time for security reasons, even in the bathroom. A picture of the ad what? was shared on Twitter okay. and since has gone viral, so now we need to find Owen. We need to know if this Owen guy is for real posting this or if this is a complete joke. You didn't see this? I did not see it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get Owen on. Oh, just, do we want to get Owen on? <laughs> no, we don't actually. We don't want to know. For I him. don't think I want to talk to Owen.
0: <laughs> I like guests, but I don't think I want to talk to Owen. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, the only thing I have left is a question did you watch the Joe Paterno documentary No I didn't Going back to the Jerry Sandusky thing and did you watch any of the Greg Do- Greg Norman documentary The
1: Shark Well it's funny I it's it's on my DVR Yes and which, I did, one, which one both or just The
0: Shark Okay It's a 30 for 30 right it's a 30 for 30. I don't think the Paterno one is a 30 for 30, yeah, I don't but think it's it similar. Is it's like an
1: hour. I don't know. It's so scary. I wasn't sure if the shark was one that I'd already watched. No, so I you haven't. You have it's new. Watched.
0: It's brand new. Oh,
1: great. I'm going to watch brand it new. for sure.
0: It's uncomfortable, brand new. I watched the whole thing. I saw it. You said uncomfortable? It's a little uncomfortable. Well, how come? Well, you know the story of him, right?
1: Kind of. Well. I mean, he was a great golfer. I know he made a ton of money off the golf course. Oh, my God. Right?
0: More than just about anybody. But. Yeah. um, he was a, a, he was a great, great player who just was snake bitten and lost a lot of major championships in heartbreaking fashion. And then it culminated with one of the greatest collapses in major That's championship right. history What's in 1996 with Nick Faldo. Faldo yeah, yeah, I
1: remember that. But the yeah. uncomfortable
0: thing is the whole thing is shot in and around him watching it for the first time and the camera oh. watching him watch him. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. The camera showing him watching the final round of 96... Where he just... He had never watched it, you're saying? He said he never... He says he's never watched it. I don't doubt it. Shot after shot of him throwing up all over the place. He's watching and the camera's like focusing in on his face and the grimacing and whatever. Oh, he's not... Greg Norman is not a likable character. Okay. That's the only kind of saving grace. You don't... A lot of people don't like Greg Norman. Oh, they don't. Tiger okay. Woods doesn't like Greg... A lot of guys don't like Greg
1: he Norman. He was really, really good for a while there.
0: Pompous. Oh, okay. Okay. And now the whole Saudi Arabia thing is really big. It's huge. You're following that yeah, a little yeah. bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The Phil Mickelson thing. Sure, yeah. The Saudis and their human rights. Um, he's in bed with them. He's like the, the the face of that thing. It's not a good look. Now he wants to play in the British Open. He wants a special exemption at age like 65 or whatever wow. it is to play in the British Open this year. And they've already said... Um, Thank you, but no, thank you. (laughs) We're gonna pass. But um, (laughs) I'd be
1: interested to see how he could do though.
0: I'm actually interested that you are you you are tempted to watch it because I wouldn't think that that would be something that you would watch.
1: But like I've said, I'll watch any thirty for thirty. Like I think they they are. I think we both should watch the
0: Paterno thing.
1: That's a tough one. I don't know. A tough
0: subject, but it's an important one because because what and I think I, I want to do a segment with somebody back there about if producer Steve is listening. I'd love to get somebody that was involved with Paterno. You know, that's a that's a really complicated situation. His legacy is such an interesting, interesting, complex layered situation, yeah. dilemma. He did so much good for so many people right. for so
1: long. And what what do we think of?
0: We think of him turning his shit Now he you know, he he wasn't molesting kids, right? But his his response, his culpability. Yep. What he was doing, if he knew about it, did he not know about you know he's dead now, he can't defend himself. That whole okay, so what do we think of Joe? They took the statue down, they pulled it out. Yep. yep. It's a hard one. It's a toughie. It's yeah. a but it's an interesting topic that I think both of us should watch okay. it and, and talk watch about it. it. Yeah.
1: It, so you were obviously on the air during that Sandusky stuff. Sure. Did was. you talk about it ad nauseum? I no, feel like, I don't think we did. I feel like Gas and I talked about it a lot.
0: Well, we left it for you. We we would start to talk about it. We'd say, "Well, Scott and Gas will talk about it later." Oh, on like the, for the c- cerebral
1: KGN. people can yeah, get yeah, get their yeah, hands on yeah. it. I don't. I don't recall. I remember just being like, "Enough already!" The, the stories of the shower, and I was just like, "It's just." But in those days, I don't remember
0: it being about Joe Paterno.
1: It was about Jerry. Sanderson it was about Jerry. Jerry but this what is going to hit done. on that, obviously. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. Oh, of course. Right. So, it's but in those like, days, we weren't talking about what joe paterno did or
1: didn't do yeah not as much but
10: now we are
0: yeah and you know i guess for somebody like me who uh you know hopes that their good days when it's all said and done will outweigh their bad days yeah i raise my hand maybe it's more interesting to me about him than most people would be interested in that whole story but i just think somebody who did uh, he did for, for 40 or 50 years, he was, you know, until this thing happened, there was no one who was more revered, maybe in sports, nope. than Joe Paterno.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, did it the right way, yep. was great in the community, stayed at Penn State. Yep. Lived in, like, this modest little house uh, and was just like, yeah. I mean, there was no
0: one yeah. more beloved than Joe. Yeah. And then something happens on his watch that he doesn't do, right, but he doesn't handle it the right way. There's no question. Yeah. And now we have to decide... In the next 50 years, what do we think of them?
1: Yeah. Sounds like there's been some decisions made with the statue coming down and yeah. So, how do I watch this? Was it HBO or? Uh, It's an ESPN thing. Oh, it is. Okay. I'll find it somewhere. Yeah. All right. I got three RIPs. Yes. Actor Robert Morse, best known for his work on Burt as... You never watched Mad Men, which you'd love, Never saw Mad Men. Okay, he, for those who watched Mad Men, he was yeah. Burt. He passed away. Okay. He'd been playing Bertram Cooper. He played him for 74 episodes, got him five Emmy nominations. Yes. Over eight years on the air. He went on to win another Best Actor Tony Award as Truman Capote in the 1990 play. True. After Mad Men, he came back to Broadway, worked with Nathan Lane. Yeah. Great actor, 90 years old. Rest in peace to Robert Morse. Bye. I don't know where if Mad Men's streaming, but you would love it. I, I, that's the ad agency of the 1950s, 60s? I used to watch it, and the episode would end, and I'd say, that might be the best episode of TV I've ever seen, and I can't tell you, you why. But you say that about everything you watch. It's not the best show I've ever seen. But you say that it's, about
0: everything. No, that's not true. You have blown your credibility <laughs> because you love everything. That's so not true.
1: Yes, yeah, kind of, sort of, it is. There's stuff I don't like.
0: You and Joe Fan, same thing. Joe Fan does the same thing on Twitter. Ah, oh, I just watched the first. Time. This may be the greatest thing I ever saw. It's like the whole Gonzaga basketball thing. Every year we say, "Oh, this may be the best team he's ever had."
1: Okay, <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's hardly so outlandish to say Mad Men was good. Everyone loved no, it. No, no, no. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> every once in a while, I'd like to see you say, "Ah, oh, I saw this. It was shit," and that will, to me, suck me into your 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 reviews. <laughs> right. it, it will make me okay. He's but you seem to love everything that you watch. But I'm smart s-
1: enough not to watch shit. I can weed out what's going to be nah, good you gotta, and what you, isn't. Yeah, I, isn't. got to trust like me on much. this. Right, you like too much. All right, like too much. Rest in peace to the son of Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, I saw this. <sighs> had twins, a boy oh, and a girl. So sad. And the boy passed away. Yeah. They announced that on Monday that their baby son had passed away in a statement they said is the greatest pain that any parents can feel. Yeah. So, God, that's yeah. just... Uh, rest in peace to the little little baby boy. Okay. Rest in peace to Roderick Pooh Clark. Now, you, I know you didn't listen to pop music for most of your life. You think Barry Manilow's pop music 50 years later, he's what, not. Said, what are you talking about? i listened to pop music my whole life. Okay, but not 91, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah okay, well, an original member of the group High Five has died. Now, you, I know you loved High Five. <laughs> Roderick got into a... No? No? Well, I might know their song. Why do I? I mean, I don't you know might. my name. So, Roderick Pooh Clark, he actually got in a car crash 30 years ago in Florida that left him paralyzed from the neck down, making him unable to walk. He developed an infection that spread through his body, one yeah. that persisted for some time and then passed away from pneumonia. But High Five actually had, I looked it up, top, he had five top 40 hits in the U.S., three of those in the top 10. And I Like the Way went to number one 1991. I Like the Way She Moves? No. it's... Oh. Uh, I like. Uh, I can't remember how it goes, but it went to number one. It was a big hit. Okay. Anyway, rest in peace to to Roderick. He was all only 49 years old. All right, is that it? I got some headlines real quick. Oh, you do
2: have headlines. Turns okay. out
1: Jake Goldberg yes, one of 11 people to complete all 256 levels of the game Pac-Man, racking up 3,333,360 points, the highest score yes. possible in that game. Yes. Something tells me Pac-Man points are the only sort of scoring old Jake will ever do. A, a video of a woman being chased in a parking lot by a territorial goose has gone viral. You see the video of the woman being chased no, by a goose. No. The woman's she admits that the next time she'll pay closer attention when she hears the words duck duck. A man suffers a freak injury while participating in a little tough. Like, that was clean. Oh, you want that was nice. Well, I try to sprinkle no, them in. No, you don't. Uh, I don't. That was okay.
0: great. Very nice shot. Thanks for throwing one in for the kids. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, the rest aren't clean. You're not going to like the
2: rest of these.
1: <laughs> a man suffers a freak injury while participating in touchy selfie and has to be hospitalized after suffering a rare lung injury, usually caused by rigorous exercise or violent coughing. I think I speak for everyone when I say get well and just know that we'll all be pulling for you. A woman, can
5: I ask a question? Yes.
1: Is it possible to say touchy selfie without (laughs) sniffling after? No, it's not. Okay. A woman had to be rescued by firefighters after falling head first into an outhouse toilet while trying to fish out her phone she accidentally dropped in there. Can you picture those outhouse toilets? (sighs) Yeah. Head first. They had to rescue her. The fire department had to come. Okay. Her phone, however, isn't working correctly and only texts new phone, poo dis i didn't think you'd get that one new phone who dis instead poo. okay no, and finally no, a man i don't, I don't get yeah, that right. and finally a man who face who
0: dis. explain it to me
1: well like when you when you don't know who's texting you you yeah. just say new phone who dis like i have a new phone i don't know who you are texting. no you. i
0: text who is this yeah i know or we don't question yeah it's,
1: it's who did new phone who dis instead
0: new like f- like who dis yeah that's what i'm supposed to do yeah, it is yes
1: Next
7: I'm time do you, it
0: this week. You should when you don't recognize the number. But I don't I don't ever get texts from people that
1: don't I don't recognize their number. <laughs> it's actually it's a good, it's a, it's, if it's somebody whose phone, like maybe you didn't put their number in your phone. New phone. Who dis? Who dis? Yeah. In this and, case,
0: and where did you find out about this? Oh,
1: it's been around for a long time.
0: Do you get a memo? Like, okay, whatever.
1: Does yeah. it happen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't get the memo. The uh, Cool People Club. I'll okay. see if I can add your email okay. to that chain if Thank you'd like. God. And finally, a man who faced a locked bathroom at a convenience store decided to relieve himself in the store's walk-in beer cooler, contaminating over $100 worth of beer. However, the Bud Light was okay because, I mean, who could tell the difference?
0: They were just going to sponsor the podcast.
1: <laughs> they were? Oh, damn it. <laughs> it was either that or Corona. I didn't know which
6: way to go.
0: That man's name is Hotshot Scott. <laughs> My name is Mitch. This is Mitch Unfiltered. Go to Apple Podcasts and please share a review with us. If you hate us, don't do it. Please. If you love us, five stars, maybe a couple of comments, it really will help. It will help. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron, if you don't mind, at MitchUnfiltered.com. It's five bucks a month. We do a lot of extra shows each week. It's not just Mondays. We do the long one on Mondays and then apparently we do short shows that are too short that's right on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. Um, what else is there to say? Go Mariners? Follow me on Twitter yes, me at Scott Soden. Yes follow me at Mitch underscore Seattle and the NFL draft is this week. It is yes yes we'll don't see you. if That baseball player gets drafted like you recommended. <laughs> too much time between picks. Yeah. I say it I say it every year. This my my analogy is the NFL draft is horse racing. And the NBA draft, or maybe the NBA draft. I want more of Greyhound racing. Like, Greyhound race. You ever been to a Greyhound race? I haven't, no. So they race the doggies, race around, and they cha- chase the it, rabbit. a fake rabbit. Yeah, yeah. They run around the track. They go for about a minute. And then, like, five minutes later, the next race starts. Yeah. Bet- hey, get your bets in. Let's go. Horses, you go, and people are analyzing it. Like I know. 30 minutes between Ray. Who needs it? Right. Well,
1: that's why you got the off-track stuff up there. Less time between NFL draft choices, and I'm in. What are the Seahawks going to do?
0: Tell me. What well, are they going to do? Well, according to John Schneider, we're either going to pick at nine, yeah, or we're not going to pick at nine.
1: <laughs> Thanks, John. Okay. And episode 188
0: <laughs> is in the books.